NFL is officially having a yard sale. Would you like a snack? Sure. How about an Eli Apple? What'll it be? Come once, come all. It's trade time in the NFL. Come on down. Come on down to the, come on down to the, come on down. Hi, guys. Hey. How's it How going, Let's go. How are you guys? I thought you were going to get on a roll there. I was Yeah, I, I did too. That's what I kind of always expect you to do. I appreciate I that I thought you had a confidence. full yard sale song. I did not. Most of the things I do are off the top of my head because I don't believe in preparation. I am the great Cleveland way to go Browns life. offensive coaching staff of podcasts. How dare you? What's wrong with that? How dare you? Todd Haley is a prepared individual. App, you know what? He is. Yeah. Man. Um, all right, so what's good? How you living? I'm living good. So the last time we talked Monday, Amari Cooper had just been traded. A few right. trades have happened since then. Damon yep. Harrison, uh, Snacks, as you may call him. Eli Apple was also traded. Um, trades in the NFL. Hold it's- on. You got a tattoo, and we're not going to talk about that? Oh, you want to leave with that? I, I, how could we not? If Only saw, one of us was man enough to get a tattoo If here, you Jeff. saw the Sims and Lefko show episode, uh, Sims, as you may have heard on Monday's podcast, locking it in. Chiefs, Patriots, and the AFC getting a buy. Rams, Saints, and the NFC getting a buy. said you could put it in ink. Put it in ink. And I went, and I got the, the, uh, the current predictions on my arms you put it in ink i did i'm letting my sleeves down right now just because they told me to let it heal yep. and let it rest right uh but you got a tattoo while you're there too a little more personal i did i cause i have uh, been saying for like five years to my family that i was going to get their initials tat- i mean i have other people's tat na- names tattooed on my body in case you haven't heard right in case you haven't yeah, heard who's on your body again i mean kyle shanahan Bo scave rod babers montrell flowers I right. only talk to two out of the four anymore. So if I only talk to two out of the four, how the hell can I not have my family on there? Plus, I have a Longhorn, and of course, I love the Longhorns. But what means more to me than Philip, Charlotte, Aww. and my wife Danielle? Aww. So I got their initials. I like that. Yeah, that was thanks. good. Thanks. Yeah, but I got my tattoos, and people lost their minds. Yeah. Shout out to George Kittle, who DM'd me and said, bro, are those tats real? And Man. I was like, yeah. You Where are sure. the 49ers? It, I think you should be concerned. I do. About really. what? Uh, the way people view you. Yeah. They let's obviously break this think you're freaking stupid. So Sarah, Sarah Lowen came up to me in the hallway and she goes, I almost cried last night. And her husband was like, they're probably not real. And she goes, I don't know. A that lot Adam. of people think that I'm just out of nowhere going to go and get an incomplete playoff prediction week seven tattoo on my wow. arms. I mean, they think we're better friends than we really are. I mean, my girlfriend freaked <laughs> out. Right. My girlfriend said, I don't know what you're capable of with this freaking show. Yeah. I walked in last night. My fiance said to me, did Adam really get a tattoo for the show? And I said, yes, Erica. Yes, he did. My mom yeah. texts me and she goes, I'm not mad. You just, she didn't yell. She goes, I'm not mad. You just never told me you wanted a tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, everyone really thought I went for it. Yeah, I've just apparently. been holding out for week seven of the 2018 NFL season this to put the incomplete playoff picture on my arms. That's it. Can you send me that rundown for today? Yeah, of course. Please. No problem. Um, no, but you're right. People do think that I'm wild and crazy, yeah. but I do appreciate that. Yeah, sure. I le- I would rather people view me as that than be like, well, he's a liar. That's he, totally a fake. He's a boring person. He's <laughs> he's really boring, that left go. 
I've emailed it to you Thank twice. You. Snacks. I slacked it to you as well. Oh, you're the man. You dude. got it all. I appreciate it. Snacks to the Lions. Yeah. We just talked about how the Lions could be a pretty real deal. Right. Eli Apple to the Saints. Yeah. They needed a quarter that quarter cornerback this likely takes them out of the Patrick Peterson sweepstakes. Definitely. Patrick is, Peterson yeah. coming out and saying, I am a cardinal, I'm not gonna be traded. Did they give him money or anything? Like I don't know. They, they might be like a wink wink nudge nudge in the season in the offseason we'll take care of you or something wow. like that. Yeah. Why? What's your take on that? Well, I'm just so surprised that it turned so quickly like that. I'm actually surprised that maybe the Cardinals don't want to make a move and just kind of have the fire sale like the Raiders and the Giants and just go, it's a new regime, Uh, let's start new and have a blank canvas and go from there and see if we can acquire some draft picks for a guy like that. Maybe they didn't feel like they got the price they wanted either, but Mm. I just am shocked that Patrick pulled back so quickly about it. I am a Cardinal for years to come. We know Patrick Peterson. Yes. Really good guy. Stand-up individual. Right. I also think that we always underestimate this factor. Yeah. When you are on social media, which I know you're not, and this story comes out, I'm sure he was getting tweeted at, uh, IM, uh, DM'd, all that stuff from hundreds of people. Don't leave us. Don't be a traitor, blah, blah, blah. And I bet you that kind of works into your psyche a little bit, too. Man. But I'm sure Steve Kime brought him in the office and said, we need you. We need you to be the leader right now. You're the leader of this team. Yeah. But... I would like him to be traded. Just from like a football perspective, yeah. he's wasting away on a team that's not going anywhere. Right. Probably for the next two, three years. Yes. So I'd love for him. For me, Patrick Peterson in a Chiefs helmet would look beautiful. He looks good in red. Patrick Peterson in a Falcons helmet. Just fitting that whole rundown, even though I don't think the Falcons are anything this year. I mean, year. what? We're not going to. Where'd you pull the I was Falcons just thinking of D'Angelo here? Hall and prime oh. time. There's a, like, it, it would look good. Right. You know he's going mean? to say the Eagles next. Oh, yeah. Patrick I mean, the Peterson Eagles would be green. amazing. Yeah. Eagles would be amazing. Right. I think he's going to look good at any I will say, though, that there would be good body and he's there would 100% cool. be Eagles fans going, I'm still a little bit gun-shy after Namdi Asamoah. I'm telling you. Like, it's still, like, tr- like getting a high-priced corner, still Byron Maxwell. Like, when's the last time the Eagles got one and it worked? Yeah. But snacks to the Lions. Right. How big of a deal is this? Because this was a team that wasn't stopping the ball well on the ground. No, they they, they don't stop the run well at all. I mean, even last week uh, led up a huge play to Kenyon Drake. Um, I still think they're a work in progress as far as just, you know, learning how to play the Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia defense. I still think there's an issue there with Ashawn Robinson, which I don't totally understand either. Yes. Um, he doesn't start. Like, he didn't start last week. Deshaun Hand's getting a lot more burn than Yeah, him. and then Sylvester Williams really started in his spot, right? But either way, knowing Matt Patricia, he's a defensive coach. Uh, he still has that old-school mentality of, like, we're going to stop something first. Yeah. And I do think he believes in we're not going to be bullied in the run game and – let you just smash the ball down our throat for these long drives one after another and these big plays that hurt your football team. And obviously the Giants have had enough, and Snacks is still really good. I mean, really good. Still, for my money, one of the best run stoppers in the NFL. I mean, if not the best. You know, on the short list of things, you know, I'll pull up the teams just to give a quick look. You know, okay. You know, the Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman are in that conversation. You know, Akeem Hicks, is. I look at him a little different. Linval Joseph when he's healthy. Exactly right. Who's a little more athletic than a Damon Snacks. But, but, that, but what you said before yeah. about the Belichick defense, yeah. they are always at their best when they have monsters in the middle exactly. that can take up two, three guys. Right. 
And we've been talking about Detroit being one of those super little secret sneaky teams. Yes. With a good offensive line that they have. Right. And now some big dudes on the D line. Mm-hmm. And adding snacks also takes pressure off of why the hell isn't Ezekiel Ansa coming back. Sure. Also, when you factor in, again, all their linebackers are 240. Yeah. They're fast and light. Right. So by putting snacks in front of them, if you're preventing a guard getting to the next level, every day that goes on, I'm going the Lions are more and more real. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I, I'm with you 100%. Um, I think with their run game and what they're doing and the defensive side of the ball, which really, as of late, like if I pull up their schedule, I know last week was not beautiful. I mean, Kenyon Drake had, like, we keep mentioning the 65 yard run, 59 yard right. run or something um, like that. You know, the Green Bay Packer game, okay. The Dallas Cowboy game. Yeah, they got run on on that one yes. for real. So they can't they can't continue to play that style of football, especially when they're going to play this style of offensive football along with it. Where oh, we're gonna we're now going to control the ball yes. and try to run the ball and make big plays off of play action and Matthew Stafford. Occasionally, you can't be getting beat down into the ground with a running game on your defense. The other either. thing is this. Yeah, I love when guys get traded because I think it puts a real fire under their ass. When you get sure. traded and you hear that a team doesn't want you, right. and you go from a team that's one and six to a team that's three and three and in a division dogfight, and every game is going to be a big deal. What's the weakness of the Vikings? Interior offensive line. Perfect. Put snacks there. Oh, you got the Packers? Well, guess what? If Damon Harrison's in the middle, it's harder for Rodgers to scramble up the middle on a third down. Yeah. I think it's a great move. Eli Apple to yeah. the Saints. All I've heard about Eli Apple for the last three years is he's not that good. Right. Oh, I mean, he was never worth the top 10 pick, but his first year, he was good. You know, the boat trip year, that was his rookie year, right? I mean, he played solid football that year. Now, last year was a disaster compounded by him being immature in the locker room, too. So I think it just all led to bad things. Any good thing, the fact that he went to Ohio State and Lattimore went to Ohio State? Uh, I do. You know, I, I, get, I like I'll those go, things, too. Well, I'll go back to what you just said. Like, change of scenery is good. First of all, these are young people. Like, we're, we think we're young. Yeah, right. These are like, we're talking about uh, uh, Eli Apple, who's, what, 23 years old? Yeah. I know. He made some mistakes. That's so like when we talk about Amari Cooper. Right. Amari Cooper is exactly like the same right. age as Calvin Ridley. That's and what we're I mean. like, I'm, I'm sold on Amari Cooper. So, change of scenery, change of energy from your coach change of themes the coaches are telling you might resonate better with you on this coaching staff than, you know, the other coaching staff was saying it this way, but this coach says it this way, and I don't know why. It just seems to click better in my brain. You know, life works like that some ways. So, um, yeah, I think change of scenery will be good for him, and it's a good move for the Saints. That's the most important thing because we're going to talk about Ravens Saints here in a little bit. But when there's one-on-one or any quarterback can pick a side – with who they want to attack, or if the Saints blitz because they don't have a great pass rush, everyone just goes, where's number 20? Where's Ken Crawley? Ken Crawley. I'm going to throw it to him first down. And that's really all that's happened. P.J. Williams does a nice little job in the slot. So they needed this to go to the next level too. Mm. Also because I don't think their pass rush is going to change into anything special anytime soon. No. So Davenport and Cam Jordan, you're kind of looking at, and they're good. They're good, but they're not like, I don't think the Saints are going to be able to sit there and pressure with their front four against the quality football teams. You know, they you know, they might have some games where they run over some people and we go, oh, look at that. Get a little bit of pressure but on Jameis Winston. We're, we're, at, we're at the point of the year now where the Saints 
we're going, no, you're being measured against the Vikings, the Rams. If you have to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl, what are you going to be able to do? My only hope for that pass rush, though, is since Marcus Davenport was raw when he was drafted, he could be one of those guys that in week 14 were going... I don't even recognize him from week four. He, he because he can could. change so much. He could, and he's very close right now. I mean, he's he he pushed Big Ronnie Stanley around a few times during that game last. last I feel week. like Ronnie Stanley does get pushed around sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he can. Ronnie, I mean, that old line though in there in Baltimore, they're they're the real deal. But yeah, the Saints, they're twenty seventh in football in sacks, thirteen sacks on the whole year, yeah. and they really that is an issue for them is being able to just get after the quarterback with the front four, and I don't think you can always depend on that, and you want to keep people in coverage, so now they got another guy. The Saints are one of those teams, though, that I'm okay if they blitz because I'm okay if the offense gets the ball back quickly. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I understand that. The other side of the Eli yep. Apple-Damon Harrison trades right. are the Giants. Right. We are selecting Saquon Barkley because we can make a run this season. Yes. One and six sell everything yeah so that's how much forward thinking they did they did seven weeks of forward thinking yes yes that's they, it. that was the well i mean how I, am i not looking at all of this as an abject failure well it is a failure but it was a failure that they of course did not think it was going to really happen this way how can you and me yeah watch eli for these last few years yeah and have a more accurate observation than a gm and a front office that spent probably weeks looking through all of the game film, interviewing people, studying everything, giving analysis. How are we more accurate than them? Well, I don't know if we are more accurate than them. I think you're missing the most important person in that conversation there. And that would be the owners. And I think that Eli Manning is in the department of the owner says what's going to happen with Eli Manning. And I think he decided... We're going to give him one more year because of he's given us two Super Bowl championships and a great career, and they were going to give it one more go with him. Do you think part of the reason Pat Shermer was hired was because he took a scene as backup Case Keenum for his entire career and gave him one of a top 10 NFL season, and they went, maybe if we bring this guy in, he can do that to Eli? I think that being able to answer all the tough questions along with it, having a no-nonsense way about him, yes, I think all of those things kind of led them to being hired. But there's one thing that you have not heard about from Pat Shermer this whole time he's been here. He's never wavered from Eli's our guy. Eli's our guy. He's our guy. We're not trading him. Well, he's our guy. Because who else is there? Well, no, I know there's nobody else, but he also knows that part of the he got the job and they told him, no, Eli Manning's our quarterback this year. Don't even try to. And he knows that and he's being the, the good citizen there to owners. I just can't. I hate that. You hate that. I just hate that. But I've brought this yeah. up to you before. Yeah. Of These are supposed to be the smartest, uh, most well-thought-out football people in the entire world, and they're supposed to make decisions to win Super Bowls. Yeah. And I feel like we do this every three months where we sit here, and, and it's another conversation about a team that's not trying to win the Super Bowl. They're playing because off of politics. Because of some yeah personal yeah. relationship yeah. or something like that. Or, yeah. or, or politics. Kills me at, it kills me at this show. Politics yeah. with your fans. That's really what it is. After the backlash, what they took last year... And I'm sure there was some conversations with Eli Manning behind closed doors and everything else. But, yeah, that's what it was. It was a politic move. And don't don't forget, it was just three weeks ago where 
Giant fans were still going, no, Eli's not the I problem. It's it was the Houston else. Texans win right. when they were like, he was 22 or 25. Right. And then the Saints game, you know, they made up excuses for him in that game. Remember, that was the game I said, Drew Brees was under more pressure than Eli Manning. And we all we talked about was Eli Manning being under pressure the whole game. So it took, you know, we just got to remember where we were. And yes, owners play to the fan base to a degree. They do. And Eli is loved. In the New York area, which he should be. He gave them two Super Bowl championships, and they were special because, like... They were we, over the Patriots. We, they were over the Patriots, and we didn't expect them. They were 9-7, yeah. and seven, and we were like, oh, we're good. We got in the playoffs. Whoa, we won one? Whoa, we won another one? We win this one? We're going to the Super Bowl? We can't do that. Whoa, we got to the Super Bowl. He's like, a, he's like a crappy boyfriend that surprised you with roses twice. Well, I, I always will stand by. He's like the worst great quarterback ever. That's my when people ask me, like my friends are like, what do you think about Eli? He's like the worst great quarterback ever. Mm. And they're like, Oh. And then would that make Jeff George the best worst quarterback ever? (laughs) Don't die. You're right. That was funny. Yeah. (laughs) I don't all I know is Jeff George and Warren Moon. Three of the prettiest ball prettiest balls ever. I mean, Dirty Diana said it. That's when you know it jumped out. Oh, my gosh, Christopher, that Jeff George could really throw the football. Yeah, Mom, but he's thrown it to the Giants four times in yeah. this first half. <laughs> the thing about Eli is I feel like the Giants' season is officially over. They've officially you not? Yeah. yeah, they officially, though, have reached the point of the year where they're going to win some games here. There are going to be some games there. They're going to get a lot of $10 bets in Sims and Lefko. They're going to be the team that their whole job now is to kind of mess it up for other teams. Yeah, right. And I think that that Monday night game, playing the 31st-ranked defense in the NFL, yeah. and up until a few minutes left in that game, having like 10 points or six points. Yeah, six. Six points. Right is really all you needed to know. No, exactly And it right. was the offense, and, and I'm watching Odell on the sideline, and Shermer's like, I know, I know. Like, he kept saying, he was like, I know. And Odell was sitting on the bench, and he's touching his hair, and he's very aware of what he's doing. He definitely was. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, oh, Bilal Powell's career potentially in doubt. Is that Possible right? Possible career-ending neck surgery. Damn. I love Bilal Powell. Yeah. Government That stinks. It does. Um but I, I'm watching the game, and then there's the, the clip of, of Shermer going, throw it to Odell, when like Odell was clearly open. The corner was like looked like about to fall down on that little jet sweep pass yeah, over there. he had it. You got to just pull the trigger. I don't know what else to say. And then also, can we talk about the Eli nonsense with his hands? After Eli throws a ball, he he has figured out a way. I watch his shoulder. I don't know what is he does. He this. puts all of the blame on his receivers oh. because he knows in his head he goes one, two, three, motion. Because he goes now the camera's going to go on me, right. and he's always going, <laughs> and he like he like arcs his hand out like like and and everyone knows he's like oh the receiver didn't finish the route like that's the universal sign for finish the route yeah and then it causes Witten and Boog. To be like, I don't think Odell. Odell sort of came out of that break the right way, which yeah, I don't agree with. I mean, didn't that? I I think that Odell was correct in that moment, but yes, again, those are politics. It's all an act. Politics of the position, and also when you we talk about Blake Bortles, right? When I always know Blake Bortles isn't throwing the ball well, he's hopping around and like, oh gosh, I hope it hits the target. I know when I after I got hurt. And I was not me, like, in training camp. And I was, like, missing throws. I was that same way. I was always like, 
oh, just move over there. Like, I was always trying to find something to justify why my throw was off. Like, And receiver, now, years later, you look back, I and, go, back and go, I was off. I, was the, I knew, I knew not years, yeah, I knew, I knew a few weeks after that. I was like, I'm the fucking one that's off here. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, in the heat of the moment, and you want to make it work, you kind of start to, oh, just do this, do this. But those are signs of going you're not good anymore or you're not yourself anymore. Your bowling analogy yeah. on Monday was perfect because yeah. everyone has had that experience of bowling where right. you throw the ball down the lane and you're aiming at the middle pin right. and then it goes to the far right and you're like, leaning. why didn't it go to the middle? Yeah, yeah. Right. And you're, you're leaning, leaning one way. Like, Come on! Or hitting you're a right. golf ball. And we blame the ball. And we right. blame the ball. Ah, no, it. it's you, you idiot. Yeah. 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 Right. Turn on ESPN. You just called on, Eli Manning an idiot. I did, yeah. <laughs> Turn on ESPN Sunday at 1 o'clock. Watch the PBA. You'll see. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, it's when football's on. New sweater for you. Uh, no, I've had this one. Have you? Like you? It? Yeah, but he is wearing wear his WWBBD bracelet. Oh, I like it. Yeah, what would I like Bill to look Belichick down in the middle do? of the day and just ask myself, what would Belichick do? Yeah, it's it's sad for the Giants. What were you going to say? I, I think this whole quarterback mannerisms thing is interesting. Be, yeah, I'm interested. Oh, in that. Huh, like, I, I always watch that. I stuff. have gotten D, uh, DMs before right. about this, and I think we've talked about this before about little ticks and stuff yeah. that people do. Like we Drew Brees licks his fingers all the time, both hands after every throw. He could throw a ball in the flat. The play's not over, and he's already gone. And then he pulls down his shoulder yeah. pads every time. What other Eli ones do Manning do? does the yeah, shoulder he, it's shimmy. Like, it's like his shoulders constantly throw. dislocated. Like oh gosh, like he's uncomfortable in his own skin. You know. Uh, Joe Flacco goes. Peyton always used to pull up his right um, thigh protector. He'd always used to pull it up and then walk down. Like, same thing every time. Everybody has their little Did you do any weird shit? I I really... I'm sure. I don't think I had anything, like, crazy. You Probably me was more subtle, like, probably doing this with my hand, like, trying to get moisture in there. Or I had a towel with just a little bit of water on it to grab it just so my hands were moist when I grabbed the football. Omar from House of Highlights yeah. said one of his favorite things to do when he's watching football is watch guys hold on to their chest pads yeah, right here. Right. Like put their hands in their neck. And, right. just, and he's like, why do they do that? Is it just comfortable? It's comfort. It truly is. Because you're sitting there on the sideline for so long, right? I, I mean, you could get sore standing on the sideline. Like I used to be like in the third quarter when you're like, you know, holding the clipboard. I'd be like, Holy shit, my back's tight. Just from standing? Yeah, because you just stand And that's there. why you stand like I this start all getting the, time? the tripod going. Yeah. And yeah, I start doing it all. But yeah, you start to do that. And then you just start to go, damn, I mean, I've been standing over here for like three hours now. So when you put them right here, you can kind of lock your fingers in there. And then you're it takes not all really, the stuff off Yeah, your... you're just like hanging. And that's it is funny, do. though, just like I never thought about it. I'm looking at all these NFL players who are just right. like holding on to their chest. Yes. Any other good ones from history of quarterbacks that you can think of? Uh, Your dad doing anything weird or Elway or Marino or mm. Favre? No. I think this could be a hashtag well, we could do, QB, QB ticks. Those yeah. are the ones that jump off. I, yeah. Sometimes I need to see them before they strike they my memory, and then I go, oh, that's right. That's what he always did. But those three, for sure. Breeze, Eli, Eli Payton. Payton. Yes, I got them down, without a doubt. Well, they are very repetitive people. Right. There was one quarterback that we forgot in terms of Jaguar possibilities. Yeah, right. Sam Bradford, yeah. Arizona. Yeah. I know you're at home going, he's going to get hurt in the first game. That is the story of the man of, made of glass. Right. But Sam Bradford, I mean, he did have the second highest completion percentage in a season before. And I'm not saying that that's what you look for in a quarterback, but I am saying for a team like the Jaguars, a guy that can hit slants might be pretty useful. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, Sam Bradford's still a quality thrower of the football. He's a little bit of a, 
you know, wooden Indian back there, for lack of a better phrase. He's not going to move around or make plays on the run or do anything like that. But, yes, if he's given time, he's going to put the ball on the money. And he certainly would be an upgrade in the drop-back pass game overall. And I'm mad we didn't think about him right, right off yeah. the bat because they're another, they have Mike Lennon as their third. Right. So, and we know Josh Rosen's the future, just like we've talked about with Cleveland Browns and Tyrod Taylor, that that would make sense. But at the same time, I think they're in too deep, like I said, and they've made their bed, and they're going to cozy on up to it now. All right, Completion so- percentage is just way too overrated. I just, oh, you think? It just drives me crazy. I mean, it, it, too much of the quarterback rating is based on completion percentage. I mean, Eli Manning has his highest comp- uh, quarterback rating of his whole career right now. Do you know that? No. His whole career. Never had better. Because of it completion out. percentage. Yeah, he's got a 94.1. Com- I really don't want to harp on the Monday Night Football crew, but when they spent the first quarter talking about how Eli's checkdowns were a part of the offense and not a sign of weakness and were defending him the entire time and putting all of the blame on Nate Solder, it, this Monday Night Football crew... Well, they took shots at him early, but they got, out of, they got it out of the way. They said, if you remember, they were like, well, we, wish we, we wish he'd stop watching the rush so much. And he just needs to hang in there a little bit more. And they made those comments, and then they never really never went back to him. That would be, yes. But, it's the worst crew ever. Well, I like Booger. He's all right. Oh, Booger peeing his pants. Booger peeing his that pants. That was hilarious. Um, what's the NFL going to do about the Booger cart? Right, the booger crane. The booger crane's like that. That would that would piss me off. Oh yeah, I saw our guy, license plate guy, Giants fan. Like I'm trying to watch the game, and boogers right in front. It's, and their answer is, no, there's a TV on the back. Yeah, which is apparently on like a 30 second delay. No, perfect. Yeah, yeah it's right. great. So there you are. You paid four hundred dollars to get it row four of the game. The ball comes down to your side of the field, and you go, look at this, honey. This is why I bought this. We're gonna see. Aaron Rodgers right next to Khalil Mack. He's going to dive right over the goal line. Oh, wait, line. wait. I can't see. There's this big the machine. Crane. Right. I mean, that's just to me like the NFL hypocrisy once again. I have not seen the booger the crane used one time. I have not heard one time where it goes, Booger, from your perspective, what are you gaining? Well, I'm noticing a lot of pulling guards. I haven't even heard that. It's just chiming in normally. It's just announcing the game. What's just that? announcing the game. Yeah, I know. And admitting that he peed his pants a lot on the bench. Yeah. Which... And your first reaction was, did he pee his pants or did he pee into the little side? Yeah, right. We've all peed in the garbage can. I mean, that's, sometimes you got to do that. Who has to take the garbage can full of piss out? Oh, I mean, I don't know. The guys, the ground crew after, they don't know. They just think it's yellow Gatorade. That's so gross. I know. There's... So you're saying that a lot of NFL players go to the sideline, they pee into a garbage can. Yeah. You'll and see then like... like other coaches hold up towels. Yeah, you'll see three of the equipment guys or the, the trainers just hold up towels and go like, all right, piss in here real quick. And, and why not just... do what Odell did and run the locker room and pee in a bathroom? Yeah, you could if you have enough time or you feel like, okay, I can get this done in a hurry. But sometimes guys are like, okay, we might stop and do a three and out. And I really like to get this out of my system so I don't have to sit over here and think about peeing. The have you time. ever peed in your pants as a football player? No, never. Okay. Are you, you know me. Come on. I couldn't do I couldn't. I couldn't live with myself. Yeah, the sanitary issues it would with be that. such an issue for me. I'd be like, ugh. I, I would be grossed out by myself. Plus, I'd be like, damn, are my shoes squeaking now, too? Because I got some urine in there. <laughs> it would really throw you off. It really head. would throw me off. What happens if you were peeing in a trash can and a little bit got on your jersey? Like, you would totally be the guy going out there and be like, 
and like trying to wipe it off. I'm going to dump some water on there. <laughs> like, let me just you, dump a little water. You've talked about all your issues with center butt crack sweat, though. So yes. I'm surprised that. I know. Yeah. Well, shit. When you're getting paid the way you're getting paid and you, you want to be it. good at that, you just go, okay, old swamp ass. Here we go. I'll put that crack or finger in the crack. No problem. Uh, I have a few other big-name guys that are being mentioned a lot for possibly being traded. Okay. I don't want to know where they could be traded to. Right. I want to know, do you think the team would be willing to part ways? Gotcha. We already talked about Cardinals being a little protective of Patrick Peterson. A lot of rumors about Demarius Thomas and the Broncos. Yeah. And with how well Cortland Sutton has looked so far, I do get it. Especially with Demarius getting about... Oh, a $17.5 million cap charge for next year. Wow. It's a big number. That is a huge number. For a guy that might be the three on his team right now. Well, that that might be the reason why he doesn't get traded more than that. He also said on Monday, there's a chance, quote, my time is coming up here. Yeah. I saw rumors yesterday that Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, Chris Harris Jr., and Bradley Roby might all be on the block. Ooh. Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders, too? I... I hope not for the Broncos fans' yeah. sakes because I think Emmanuel Sanders is a number one in this league. Yeah, I do. Too. I really do. Yeah, but Demarius Thomas, you could see them parting ways, but, correct? I mean, it fits the whole mold of like what we talk about with backup quarterbacks. He's not even the second best receiver on their team anymore. That goes to Cameron Sutton, Court, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Sorry, I don't know why I always want to call him Cameron. Cortland Sutton is the guy that is number two for me. When I watch their team, I go, "Ooh, this guy's special." Yes, you can't play him man to man. He can run by you or fifty fifty ball you. Demarius Thomas has definitely lost a step. He's still good. He can still get open. Yeah. But yeah, he's at this point of his career just a real good two. Mm. He's no longer in the class for a number one. And yeah, I think if you trade for him, something like this, and you say, okay, we're going to actually give you a little value, mid-round pick or something like that, they might want to hear something about him renegotiating. You can get out of his deal. I got it in front of me at least. For next year, if you did trade him, he takes a $17 million cap hit. But if they cut him... It's a $3.5 million hit where teams could probably deal with that. And the latest report on Demarius is that the Broncos are not actively shopping him, but they'll listen if teams call. Yeah. Uh, LaShawn McCoy. Mm. A lot of Eagles fans, when they heard LaShawn McCoy, they go, nah, he doesn't have it anymore. And I try to explain to them how bad the Buffalo Bills offensive line and quarterback situation is. Yes. And whatever he's done thus far isn't a fair representation. Right. Did get banged up last game. Also has some off-the-field issues that are still up in the air. Yeah. But how much do you think LaShawn McCoy has left to go and possibly make a trade for him? I think that it's... Like next year could be his last real quality year. Like so you might get like nine good starts out of him. I, yeah, it's 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 coming. Like Jai almost. Well, well, yeah. The the body definitely does not look quite the same. Like he's starting. I don't want to say wilt wilt withering away, but not just as rocked up and as thick as you see. As you start to see guys, they lose their arms, they lose their ass and legs a little bit. Still has quickness. Still has value that way. Um, but. Yeah, I don't expect to see the LaShawn McCoy that you saw last year or two years ago. I think you could just see a guy now that you want in your rotation, but you don't want him to be your workhorse. Devontae Parker's agent called Adam Gase incompetent. Yeah, I remember Adam that. Gase right. said, well, Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills are out. I guess we have to play Devontae Parker. Yeah. What? Where is Devontae Parker in your mind? Former first-round pick, another player out of Louisville, shows a lot of potential going deep, banged up almost constantly. Constantly. Is this somebody that you would make a move for if you were a team? If the price was right, I would. The yeah, price he's being a good, good route, like sixth, seventh round pick. Yeah, you know, maybe even for a guy like this, fifth round. At that point, I mean, he's 
He's doesn't have a lot of mileage on his tires. Uh, he would f- kind of fall into the class of okay, Amari Cooper, where I think maybe he just needs a scenery change to like kind of jumpstart things. Which but, is a thing in Miami, apparently. Yeah, it, de- it definitely is. It seems like not everybody can ha- handle Gase's realness and in-your-face attitude, which he has. Um, but size, very good route runner, and when healthy, can run by you. I mean, don't be shocked this week if we see if you see uh, Devontae Parker, Devontae Parker yeah, get like ninety or a hundred yards a day at receiving. He's he has that type of ability. There was a lot of teams that really liked him coming out in the draft, yes. and um, I wouldn't be shocked to see. Well, it's not going to happen right now. What do you mean? Oh, I because just, of all the injuries. I just, they're not going to. They're not going to abandon ship. Yet. What do we think about Adam Gase right now? That Jarvis Landry and Dominican Sue, a pouncy brother, these fights with with Devontae Parker. Now we're in common denominator section. Right. What's the common denominator of all these issues? Adam Gase. Yeah. And I understand, and I know that you respect Adam Gase a lot. I, I do. think he's a really good coach. Why is he rubbing some? What could he possibly be doing that other football coaches in the NFL are not doing to get in people's heads? I just I don't think he politics or soothes soothes, soothes things wow, over with weird. players, right? Love it. He just Big Adam Gase fan over here. Yeah, he just he's not into that. He's not gonna like placate to your ego and oh Jarvis, you're so great and oh our offense wouldn't work without you. No, no, fourteen million dollars a year is too much for you. You know for what? 70 bubble screens? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's where the pushback comes from. You know, again, Sue, I don't know what to tell you there. Sue's always been like that to a degree. Yeah. He probably needed to go to another place where they go, like, like we talk like the New England factor, like, wow, they're good. They don't really need me here. Mm. They're going to be good no matter what. And I'm not even the best of my position on this team. So right. that'll make you step in the line, too. Just like Gase and Gruden are in a similar thing where they're, like, emptying out the half-filled tank to fill it up again. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Gruden, Gary and Conley. But the difference is Gase doesn't BS, and Gruden's gotten caught in BS mm. like four different times this year. Mm. Oh, we're not Amari Cooper's not on the trade block. He just said that seven days ago. I'm not on the trade. We're not trading Amari Cooper. Traded. Gone. See ya. Okay. Well, I never believe any of the quotes. I, I That's know. honestly why I don't even pay that much attention to press conferences. Yeah, I, I because it's, it's it's a lot of bullshit. When, when it, who is the honest one? You know. And also, what would Bill Belichick do? Not pay attention to press conferences. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get you. Gary and Conley. Right. You think you think the Raiders would move him? I don't know who would want him at this point. That's the He's point. been that bad? Yeah, he's not good. Uh, Gary and Conley. You loved Gary and Conley. I, I, yeah, Gary and Conley runs a forever right now. I don't even know what he runs. Okay, it's, it's not. Ever since he's dealt with shin splints. And even in the training camp this year, he couldn't practice because he had some other lower body issue. That gear that I saw in college, it's not there right now. Damn. Karen yeah. Conley and Obi Mellon Fonmu, the two biggest misses of Chris Sims' career. Gone. I know. I still don't feel good about Obi. Where is Obi? They just, they just released him. He's been on IR. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. He's another one. Hasn't been healthy at all. All right, I got one more name for you. Janoris Jenkins. Yeah. This is another former primetime corner. I know you've taken him a step back, but could you see a lot of teams clamoring for the fire sale that is the New York Giants right now? I do think I do think there could be some teams that would want to get into that bed with Janoris to go, you know, we're close here. We need one extra guy uh, just to be able to man it down on certain situations. Yeah, it's not been a great year for Janoris, and last year wasn't great either. Now, you look at his money, he's due to make $14 million next year. 
with a $7 million cap hit. So that's going to play into it. And I would say... Yeah, but if I'm like the Chiefs or something, yeah, those are the teams that it's worth it. It's going to have to be it. a team like that. Yes. Right. But they're going to have to do their homework on the individual. I mean, about going back to college, they're going to have to investigate people with the Giants to go, like, what's the real deal here? I mean, if his brother allegedly murders somebody... Oh, that's yeah. a month, house. That's a months long process leading up to the draft. Yes. And now, right now, you would have to do it in seven days. Yeah, you're, less than that. Right now, what would really happen though is this: is like most smart franchises, and I say most the Patriots, the Patriots for <laughs> sure. They would have a list of guys like in the computer in a document to go. We'd have to start making tapes like four weeks ago. We could see them maybe trading these guys. These guys might be... Timeout. Okay, right. so we're going to live in there. So you're telling me yeah. that if you were working with the Patriots right now in your position where you worked in an office with no windows and you would be set there with a 30-cell like spreadsheet, right. Right. that about in week three or four, they came to you and said, we could see these guys being traded on these teams. They don't say that to me, but like, let's say in my time there, like a John Robinson or a Bob Quinn... They would have been like, "Hey guys, there's a new, there's a new, uh, there's a new tab in the blah 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 document. Uh, we need tapes of all those guys by like, you know, next week sometime. No rush, no rush. It's only like a hundred guys, but which is clearly the trade list. Clearly, clearly and it's, yeah. it's a hundred guys no, just from around the league. I'm just yeah, it could be like let's just say three or four guys from every team where they go, ooh, this could make sense. We've kind of sat in some meetings and gone." Maybe they could be up for grabs. Maybe they want to move on. Did Maybe they make a trade for anyone that you were that you guys made videos of? Oh, uh, that year we traded for Akib Talib, and yeah, I mean, I don't think tape? I didn't make that video. No, but I'm sure somebody did because Bill's going to do. His, dude, New England is already making tapes for cap casualties for next off season. I can promise you. What do you mean? Like. Guys that they're looking at, they're going, they might have one more year in their deal and they're getting up there in age. We want to just start making tapes of them as the season goes on because once... People on other teams. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you don't think that's common? Not to that extent, no. No, definitely not. Did you say one time to us that the scouts won't always put all the plays on a tape of a draft prospect because they want their opinion of him to come well, through the tape? I, I do, yes, at times. Yes, does, I does felt like happen? there was bias in some people's tapes where I was like, damn, I watched that game, and they didn't put like four plays that I would have put on that tape. Does that happen with the NFL players too? Yeah, it definitely does okay. as far as like them. Yeah, I, I mean, because we talk about bias. It's a real thing. That's why, like, okay, if you're a smart coach, again, like Bill Belichick, he's going to look at these tapes – but he's not going to be like, well, I'm going to trust old Johnny Boy up on the third floor. This tape's pretty good. He's pretty awesome. I'm going to I'm going to go trade for this guy. He's going to look at that tape and go, huh? There's some things that interest me here. Now let me put in two whole games, and I'm going to watch the games and see what he is from there. Yeah. Do yeah. people get called out for their bias? No, because a lot of times up? they don't know, and it won't matter always for a guy like Bill in New England because they're going to do their due diligence. They're not just going to go off the. Oh, here's sixty play tape of you know Johnny Scout, yep. who's been out of college for two years, just made, and we're gonna b- believe his tape is the true story. Well, I can almost guarantee you that in the next seven Hated days, those tapes, dude. That sounds awful. I mean, yeah. I have one more question. How to make how to how to make arrows pointing at the guy oh. every play? Oh. 
That's because awesome. like Bill didn't want to waste time. Like, where where is he? What socks has he got on? Look, I'm gonna be honest. As the Bill Belichick of this podcast, yeah. I understand. It. Yeah, you get yeah. it. Yeah. Before you ask your question, yeah. the trade deadline is next Tuesday. Yeah. I can almost guarantee that Bill Belichick will trade for a linebacker by next Tuesday. It is a yearly staple. He collects linebackers randomly during the trade deadline because he believes, like running backs, those positions get hurt the most, and he tries to accumulate as many right. as possible so that they can stand the test of time. Yes, He's done it year in and year out. He made trades the Lions last year for a linebacker. It's important position for him. So he's not going to let, like, it's like the same thing with the running back or the slot receiver. He's not going to let one injury at that position go, our whole scheme's screwed because now we've lost that one guy. Like, no, he's not going to let that happen. So, yeah, he is going to collect those type of players because the Van Noys and the Landon Roberts. Kyle Van Noy, yeah. All them, they fit what he wants to do, and they can do multiple things. So then, oh, on a given week, we need to use more linebackers this week. You know, this week I need this linebacker to play outside instead of inside, and that's why he does that. The docs. Yeah. Microsoft Word or Google Docs, and are they password protected? <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's like a whole New England Patriots security system. That you and, have to log into, and they're yes. tracking everything you're doing. Definitely. Yes. Right. Yes. Microsoft Word or Google? Oh, no. Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, what do they call it? What are the, not PCs? Excel. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. All, all oh, PCs. All PCs. No yeah. Macs. It used to drive me crazy. Not a, not a startup. No. Yeah. Definitely not. All right, that's all I got. I all just right. want to know about the Docs. Yeah. Yeah. Use uh, staplers? <laughs> My red stapler. Do they print a lot of stuff? Yes. Do they have a lot of shredders? I feel like they yes. shred everything. I felt like every Dude, wall I used to have to shredder. print the playbook crap. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I got to do the handouts on Wednesday morning, and George Gossi would be like, let's go, get the fuck down here. I mean, we got like 5,000 copies to make. And I'd be doing them, and first I have to go pass them around to the coaches and do all that. And. Yes, they used to waste so much paper. I told you this is this is a, was a me and a Tom bonding spot. Because you were like your wife is. Brazilian. I was like, dude, after like week seven, and I was like, me and Tom are comfortable now. I think he knows. He probably hates me now, but then we were cool. And uh, I was like giving him a huge packet of paper on like a Wednesday morning. And I'm like, and he's like, man, we really use a lot of paper. And I was like, I know. I was like, I can't believe it. I was like, your poor wife's country. And he looked at me, and I was like, yep, we, we just took down half the rainforest to Brazil. And he looked at me, and he smiled. He's like, you're right. You're right. And, and then said, the next week. The next year. The next year. iPads. It all went to iPads. And That's I awesome. always like, like to think that Tom went into Mr. Craft. It was like, we are ruining my wife's home country. I just imagine that he's like at home stir-frying lima beans. <laughs> and he's like, hey, Giselle, this uh, intern nerd uh, came up with a pretty good uh, joke about your country today. <laughs> I just can't imagine you being a professional athlete and then the very next year being that guy that prints out 5,000 copies and hands out the papers. You couldn't. Right. Like, Talk about reality check. Like for me, the getting paid 18.5 and living in the middle of Nebraska and covering local city council meetings and like going to the local watering hole after the news and drinking a beer and going, what the fuck am I doing? We were right making now? similar money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what were you making? 20? Uh, 20? Yeah, I was making eighteen yeah, five. Right. Yeah, but and you're living in, the, in Boston and living in Boston. I yeah, was just living lo- in like a sweet downtown. I was losing loft. money every month. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I, I won't lie, Mister Kraft. A few times during the year, he's like, "Slept you a hundred dollar handshake." No, no. 
I wish. He he a few times when you like it was a Friday or a Monday and there wasn't players and Mr. Kraft is uh, I mean, he's an amazing owner. I would put him up there against anybody. He's got a great feel for Sounds like it. just the DNA of the organization. He makes sure he goes around and talks to people and shows his appreciation yes. for what you're doing. And that's where he's really special. But, yeah, there was a few days during that year where he came in. He saw me grinding away. And it was just me and him in, like, a meeting room. And he's like, you sure you want to do this? You sure? You sh- you're not like these guys. You're not. You're st- he's th- he said this. Even though he goes, you're a star. I think you're a star. You sure you want to do this? And wow. I was like, yeah, I like this. I got to do it. What you do you know? think he was referring to? I think he was referring to, do I really want to be a grinded in the ground curmudgeon for the next 20 years of my life? What was your dad saying to you during that point? It's all part of the process, Christopher. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Put hey, your head down. You made it to Friday. You got the weekend. Survive. You know? I mean, would you just come home with Danielle and just be like, what the hell am I doing? No, nah, I really wasn't. I, it started to get to like that with her where she was just like, gosh. I mean, are we ever going to see you? I thought, like, in March we'd get to see you more. And I was like, well, you know, hey, we got to. Bill asked for another round of tapes. We got the draft coming up and free agency coming up. And Ca- casualties. It just started to wear, wear her out. And it, it wore me out only from the simple fact that I felt like I was missing my kids growing up. That's the only thing. That's, That's why when I see these coaches, away at me. It's, it's easy to question coaches, but the ones that you know are really grinding and the yeah. ones that are really working hard, it's it's a crazy life that they yeah. live. And that's why when I was joking earlier about Hugh Jackson, that's why the biggest insult you can have for a coach is they're not working hard. Yeah, right. Because right. it's the implied notion of what everyone went through and the hours they've given away and the days and the weeks they've yes. sacrificed. Right. That if you're accused of not it's like the worst, the worst thing you could say to her. The worst thing you could say. Worst insult ever. And as we know, and we've we talked about it, we talked about it earlier today. I mean, there's just there's nobody that's out going to outcompete the New England Patriots coaching staff on a weekly basis. There's just no. You're going to have to really put it in. You got to take it to a new level because they're on a new level. I knew you were going to do. They're that. on a new wow. level. Sims can't say new level without doing. No, but they are, and it's not just then. It's like I said, March, April, May. It's all of it. So you had experience with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and I also believe you're uniquely, uniquely qualified to talk about what's happening with the Raiders and Crygate. Crygate. <laughs> Derek Carr, possibly seen crying on the field after getting hit by the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Reports come out that the team has lost confidence in Derek Carr after hearing him quote, Whimper on the field. By the way, not many verbs as... Is that a whimper? Degrading as... My spleen. It hurts. Whimper whimper is just like... That fucking hurt. Um, Did you cry when your spleen exploded? No. Okay. You got up and played another down. I haven't cried. Yeah, I've played three more quarters. Yeah, my first reaction is... I haven't cried with something that hurt me. You just yell like the F word? Yeah, like I go crazy if something hurts. I don't cry. "Ah." Yeah, like... And then I like. Have you ever seen a player cry on the field? I can't say that I have. I can't say that I was ever on a field where somebody cried. Um... He I has denied the crying. I, he should, because I haven't seen a video where that justifies that comment I've yet. seen one still image of his eyes tightly packed. Right. And, and he's people are wincing saying, together, right? Yeah. And he first got hurt, and he's, he's 
asking somebody to help them up. Um, yeah, crying does happen, but it happens for like Jason Peters last year when he knows when you I'm realize, done for the year yeah. and my team is really good and this is heartbreaking. It's, it's not, more realization. It's not like, oh, my knee hurts. I'm crying because it hurts so much, mommy. It hurts. It's more like they're oh. on the back of a cart. It's like, damn, man. It's I, this is the year we're good, and I'm and I'm playing good. And why did this have to happen? That's yeah. that's the crying that goes on in the NFL. So, do you believe this or do you not believe? I it? I do not believe it. I do not. And I think the thing with Derek Carr, first of all, y- you can't really question him at this point. But that department for a broken back and all that back. I mean, he broke his leg and was like mic'd up for the game two years You're ago. You're right. He was like, go with. Oh, it. he was like. He's like, oh, it's broke. It's broke. It's yes. broke. Remember? I mean, he wasn't like, oh, it's broke. <laughs> yeah. No. He was so, like, it's broke. It's and he broke. was like, go out there and he win it. He was so matter of fact. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he's played through a number of injuries. I do think there's one conversation that plays into this. Though. Okay. And again, it's the God squad thing. Gotcha. And I have no problem with religion. I'm just trying to say that to everybody out there. You have said this for a long time, right. that in the construct of the locker room, yep. there are different factions. And one of those factions is people that are very religious right. and that bring religion into the locker room right. on a consistent basis. Derek Brooks was one of those guys you played Exactly by. right. Derek Brooks. I mean, hey, listen, there's been plenty of God squatters that are awesome players. Derek Brooks. Reggie White. Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't get any more better at that. I think Reggie White invented the prayer circle after games. I think think you're exactly right. I think he did. And um, so, again, not that there's anything wrong with it. And most guys in a locker room are religious guys. But they don't necessarily bring it in there all the time, right? right? Yeah, they're going to go to church on Sunday. Mom and dad raised them right. But... It doesn't mean they come in and go and like, God bless you, Adam Lefko. And and there were guys in the locker room that would do that. There's definitely certain guys in a locker room, yes, that are going to be, you know, pushing that narrative. Hey, do you want to go to after after practice day? We're gonna have a Bible study in the DB room. Do you want to come in for Bible study? You know, or you know, the Bible study guys are gonna go over and do something at the church later. Do you want to be a part of that? Gotcha. And hey, yeah, like I know Carson Wentz, Jordan Matthews, right. Zach Ertz. They're part of one of those. Too. Exactly right. So nothing wrong with that. But my only thing would be this, just to say, and I'm talking about, I'm just giving everybody a look at an NFL locker room and how I've been around it my whole life and I've been there and the guys and just my experience with even hearing these conversations. So it's one thing if you're Derek Brooks and you're a God swatter and you're balling out and you're, you're an all pro you're tackling Michael Vick in open space and, you know, you know, body slamming TJ Duckett, nobody's going to question you. But when you are that guy also, and you don't perform on the field and it's a sport of 53 alpha males and they all want to see like the phrase I would say most got, got to see that dog in you got to see that dog in you you got Mm. some dog in you because if you don't got some dog in you i don't know if i want to get in the hole and fight with you Mm. right so that part of it takes it and if you're too nice and always you know you know god bless this god bless that blah 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 you're saying that a lot of people see that as not having dog having not having dog it is funny that dog and god are reversing you're right and having neither here nor there you're right it actually is funny but yes having a softness about you gotcha. per se right which isn't necessarily accurate but it is the way it's perceived it's not because in the and nfl locker you, room yeah they want you know renegades usually run the locker room the renegade who's like hey fuck that we're gonna do this yes. blah 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 They're the let's go leader. drink a beer after two 
fair or not, that's how men's men look at each other, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, we had a beer together. I could trust them. And ever you know? since Derek Carr and entered Derek Carr's the draft. Derek that guy. And I think people sometimes don't think they can relate to it. And then gotcha. that makes you question, oh, he's not playing well. And he had a few dicey decisions in a big moment. Is he a wimp? Right. You know, is he a wimp? Because he can't do this in they the tough They build moments. on that character. Exactly. See, my thing would be less that, and more now I'm going to the rumor that was last year. Right. Washington game. Yeah. Raiders go there right after the kneeling, the kneeling thing right. with Trump. Right. And there was the rumor that Carr fought back in the locker room about not kneeling, and it upset his offensive line. And there was this whole like conversation on the internet about did the offensive line purposely let right. Derek Carr get sacked a lot because they felt that he disrespected them. I am not trying to bring validity to that discussion. Yes. I am saying it's weird to me that in back-to-back seasons, there's a rumor of his offensive line hating him because of race-related issues, and now there's a rumor of him being a wimp and crying on the field. I'm just going, I'm not even saying where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. I'm just going, why do people keep coming after Derek Carr? It's the easy thing. His brother... His brother was kind of labeled as, oh, he's jumping in the pocket. He's not the toughest guy ever. Meanwhile, the worst offensive line ever created in front of him, but it, neither here nor exactly. there. Exactly. No, but you're, you're exactly right. And They yeah. drafted Tony Baselli like number one in the expansion draft, and he never played. Yeah, he was done. His career was over, right? So I, I think all those things play into it. And when you're too perfect in an NFL locker room, that ain't a good thing either. Everybody wants to see a flaw. They want to see, oh, he drinks beers, he swears too much, mm. he smokes pot. Right. That would actually give you some, like, you know what he does? He's a fuck it guy, right? Kind of like that. Like, he, you know, he, could say, he can say that in certain situations where... And just do it. And not necessarily that... I'm not saying that's redeeming qualities or anything like that, but I'm just Look, saying that's the, the element of the locker room. It's the same reason that we pick apart people like J.J. Watt, because perfect people seem not possible. Right. Uh, half the time I watch The Rock, I look at him and I go, wow, you're incredible. And the other half of me is going, are you, there's, there's no way this guy's for real. Gazy. Yeah, like something right. about you is lying yeah. to me. Because we understand that humans themselves are imperfect. Right. And if you're going to bring it to religion, I mean, that's like the number one thing in religion is you are filled with sin, thus right. you need God. Right. So that's why it is funny that we look at athletes. And, and Derek Carr, I guess, is one of those perfect guys. You know, yes. quarterback of a team, right. super fun, loving, never says the wrong thing. Right. And maybe, but it, it's, I don't know. I don't know why everyone keeps coming at Derek Carr. Yeah. But you don't think the Raiders are trading him? You I don't, don't think, think so. I mean, they're coming at him too because his damn coach came at him first. I mean, his coach kind of, Amari Cooper was open a few times. I don't know why he didn't throw it. You're right. Our quarterback's been pressing. So he opened the floodgates to a degree. And then, of course, now the team's unhappy because Amari Cooper gets traded during practice. Oh yeah, and the coach doesn't even talk to the team. I think that's you John Gruden that. not understanding how social media works, and I really think he was like, "I don't need to talk about Amari Cooper being traded, but as long as I get to him before the morning newspaper comes out." Like, I don't think Gruden's on Twitter. I don't think Gruden's on Instagram. He doesn't understand this new news cycle. He probably went, they're not going to find out. Meanwhile, John, they all got to the locker room. They had the BR app with a notification with 17,000 people weighing in on it. And they saw him pulled off the field at practice. Oh, my God. So when a player like Amari Cooper gets pulled off the field at practice, you need to stop practice. What do you mean? You need to stop it. 
You need to go. Come around to your team. Come here. We had to trade Amari Cooper. We didn't. Damn. We didn't want to, but Dallas made us an offer that we just really could not refuse at this time. And I just wanted you guys to find out from me before we got in the locker room and you looked on the phone. And those are the things. That's what a, like a leader of a, a team has to do. The players just want to be shot straight, just like we've always talked about. And when you the players hear the head coach go. We're not trading Amari Cooper. Oh, He's not on the trade block. And then oh. six days later, he gets traded. Your word don't mean shit. Exactly right. And especially then when you avoid to actually give them your word and confront the situation when it happens. That's the biggest issue with Gruden. Right. That's it. My issue with Gruden is not that he tore it all down. Right. To be honest, I actually find it admirable yeah. when someone has the confidence to go, what we have here is good. It's not going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to tear it down and start over. It's what my Sixers did, and so I understand it. Yeah, right. I appreciate having the guts to take all of the brunt about trading a Khalil Mack and trading an Amari Cooper and accumulating three first-round picks. Right. My problem is, is that when you tear it down, you're building a foundation. But there's two foundations. There's a foundation of players, and there's a foundation of concept, and there's a foundation of what you stand for. And what Gruden has given us thus far is the okey-doke. Yes. Like Gruden has not been honest with us at all. But if he stood at that microphone and said, we weren't ready, we're here not to beat the Chiefs, we're here to beat the Patriots and the Packers and win Super Bowls, we'd sit there and go, damn, like I can't argue with that. Yeah. But it's the lying, it's the sneakiness. That's the part where I go, that's the foundation that you've put 10 years right. and $100 million on and will be moving a franchise on the back of a guy that's not shooting it straight. That's my issue with Gruden. Well, right I think now. that's the, I think your issue is probably exactly why you're hearing some of these veteran players say that because they're the same, they're thinking the same thing you like that you are. They're going start at the draft. That's what that's Call, what, calling Donald Penn. <laughs> yeah, I drafted Colton Miller's going to fire you up. <laughs> right, stuff like that. Or how we got some veterans to come to town. I'm sure. Hey, we got something here. We're we're going to be competitive this year. Derek Johnson blah, blah, blah. and then cuts them. Right, all of them. You know, there's just there's Frosty Rucker, whatever. All these guys who are going. I'm up there in my years in my career here. I only got a few years left, and he told me we were going to try to win this year, and it's looked. To them, like they've done everything but the opposite of that. I know what it's like to look into a veteran's eyes when a when a player gets traded and them get upset. When I sat on that roof with Malcolm Jenkins and they traded Sam Bradford oh, for right. a first-round pick, he got really upset. Yeah. Not because he didn't believe in Carson Wentz. Like We didn't like know what he was going to happen. Yet, right? He didn't know yet. Yeah. But he said to me verbatim, I came here because I thought they had a chance to win. And in practice, Sam gives us the best chance to win. Right. Amari Cooper gives them the best chance to win. Khalil Mack gives them the best chance to win. And so for those veterans, it's like a shot in the chest. Yes. Uh, Colin McCullough, a commenter on YouTube, wrote this. I'm curious on your take. Not our Colin McCullough here at Bleacher. I was going to say, what? Yeah, okay. same name. Maybe it is the same guy. I think he spells it differently. This guy is with a U. Our uh, Colin's with an O. Okay. Are we convinced Gruden's type of player exists anymore? I feel like he wants big personality, hardworking grinders. This is an outside perspective, but it seems as a fan that there are way more glassy-eyed, robotic Amari Coopers out there than the old Bucks legends. He doesn't like any of the guys on his team more like he doesn't like the modern NFL player. 
What do you think? I I think there's some truth to that. I think he still holds on to the 90s renegade era where, yeah, we can just accumulate as many guys and salary cap's not an issue and who cares if you're a badass and you got in trouble, you know, social media, all those things weren't there at that time to kind of call you out. So, yeah, he came from a team with the Raiders that was like that. Of course, he took over for the Bucks who were like that. The Eagles team before that when he was the OC. I'm sure you had a few renegades on that team oh, yeah, too, absolutely. right? So, so yes, it's the era in which he grew up in, and now he's having to deal with guys who are very self-aware, very aware of the league in general because of alerts popping up on their phone like exactly. yours every four seconds, and um, are also even worse to that. In his case, they're they're aware business wise as far as what's going on in the league. And he just wants you to go, he just wants to go, I'll run the team, just believe in me, and we'll go from here. And that day's gone. That doesn't happen anymore. And that's why I always try to say, too, that's why Bill Belichick, go once once again, back to WWBVD, is he's much more of a player's coach than people realize. And why is that? Because it's a player's league. You can't mess with that. Still, at the end of the day, Bill knows I got to stay in the good graces of the players if I want players to come here, if I want the players to stay happy and continue to take to my coaching and do the little things, you know, that we want the really good players to do. So I got to have some conversations, some real talk with them, some opening my heart so they'll open their heart to me, all of those things. And the day of the, you know, Gruden evil dictator way. That, that's that's dying. It's dead. Look at Sean McVay. I mean, Sean McVay is not running an evil dictatorship. He's like he's running a meritocracy. He's best idea wins. Exactly, exactly right. And just follow me, and I'll give you the energy you guys need. And you know I'm in here working, and I'm kid genius. And let's go. And who says I can't say what's up, man, and have a beer with you later on tonight? Does that make me less of a football coach? Nope. Fuck you. Robert Woods is still open for a 30-yard gain later next week, and Todd Gurley still ran for 150. Yeah. And I think that's just the old regime still clashing with the new regime. What's funny is, though, it's like Belichick's been all of the regimes. Yes. And we don't have an issue with him. Yeah. Because he adapts. Andy Reid is, quote-unquote, the old regime. He adapts. He's He's been wise enough. Andy Reid could have a running back fumble 15 times in one game, and he go, that was my fault. That was my fault. He fumbled because of me. I ate an extra hot dog on Wednesday, and I made the balls a little slippery, and yeah, just I didn't give him the best chance. Like he always, always, right? Yeah. I mean, never. It's always I didn't give us it. And players love that, and that's why Andy Reid. Even when shit falls apart, you don't ever hear them go like, "Damn, I'm glad we got Andy out of town." Yeah. Ten it's years. Just, this just makes me think back to last week of you standing at the line of scrimmage and the linebacker is standing right where you thought he was supposed to be, and then you throw the ball and come over, and it's your fault that the whole game plan was wrong and right. that everything you prepared for didn't right. make any sense anymore. Right. You told me the blitz was going to come to the side where the linebacker is on the line of scrimmage. They're both on the end of the line of scrimmage. I'm going to have to redo my owner rant again soon because really it's not John Gruden's fault. No, it's not all his fault. If I was offered 10 years, $100 million, Hell yeah. I'd coach too. The problem is, is that Mark Davis is the son of Al Davis, which means he didn't create his own legacy. And thus, you are chasing the dreams of your father. I've seen it time and time again. And the dream of his father was to have John Gruden coach. The problem was, that was a dream 10 years ago. Right. 
And so what happened was, is we're living in a 2008 offense in a 2018 world. I think there's definitely some truth to that. John, I'm not giving up on John with this yet. I'm not. I'm just going to tell you that. I'm All just right. trying to say that because John is still psycho in a good way and still going to go to the lab every day. He oh, I have more vision. confidence in John next year when right. John took a year of beating yeah. a year of like being destroyed in the media. His big thing is he has to stop worrying about saving face on week two of the NFL season. Just take the blunt. You're you're take the blunt of the criticism. You're 10 years, a hundred million dollars. That's the advantage of having a 10 year career. Who cares? Exactly. Right. 10 year contract. You don't need to say like, Oh, my player could have done this or my player could have done that. That's what's going to make the team look at him in a bad way. Yeah, exactly. If anyone should take all the blame, it's John, right? Stop playing the newspapers. Yeah. Or in your world, John, Instagram. It's new. It's a thing. It's really out there. All right, let's talk about Belichick. We're going to uh, start a book of Simsisms. I think I'm going to start writing them all down. Take the blunt of the criticism. It's a good one. <laughs> what was the other one you liked? Reading uh, the tea read leaves? Read between the tea leaves. Oh, that was a good Take one. Take the brunt of the criticism, Those I believe. Are, I've become, oh, yeah. I can't uh, believe well, I've He's got a that. dirty mind. People people loved you out Baltimore, Baltimore, trying to be Baltimore in Baltimore. That was a good one for <laughs> they Monday. They like that. What was the other one about... Um, a bunch of yeah, a bunch of people sent them to us. I'll go back and there find was it. another meme that was sent to us today about the team. Oh, medias of the member. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're talking all the medias of the member, which sounds like press covering a phallic. Image. I know it does. You're right. All right, so you went back and looked at the film, and the first one I have here is Bears Patriots. The Bears Patriots offense, Bears defense. First little star here. Pat's coaches let the players break in with the game easily. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit about what I texted you during the game, right? Like the first drive. Just if you go back, and I'm going to pull up the plays too, just so we can talk to it real quick so I can really be specific about it because I think it's worth it. But this is what good coaches do. This is what the Sean McVeighs, the Kyle Shanahan's, you know, the Bill Belichick's, whoever it may be, uh, they know how to start a football game and – Build confidence with their football team as we go on. So here we go. Okay. First play of the game. Sony Michelle right off the right tackle, 18 yards. Next play. Short pass to uh did I write all these down? Hold on. Let me just make sure I did. Okay, I did. I wrote them down anyways. All right, so here we go. Runs the ball perfectly. Good run. Then it's a play action screen. Same kind of run that they just ran for 18 yards. We're gonna fake that run. And now we're going to throw a screen. Nice play. Now, getting the shotgun. Totally different look. It's spread out. We're passing. Screen again. Great. Double screen. Double. So two screens in a row. Now, it's getting the empty formation. We're in empty. Nobody's there. He motions James White uh, to come back in. He's underneath the center as they're in empty. And he tosses them the ball behind him. And they run like a toss crack to the left side. Okay. All in this, I just want to let everybody know. They're driving down the field for a touchdown. Then it's up the middle run. Then it's empty Short pass, Edelman. Then it's shotgun, screen, again. The blitz gets there, so he has to throw it into the ground. It becomes incomplete, so he throws it away. Now it's third and one, and okay, hey, it looks like they're going to run it up the middle again with Sony Michelle. Nope, there's three receivers to the left. He throws a screen out to Julian Edelman. They get the first down, and he gets the touchdown right there. So there it is. I feel like if you're the Bears defense, you're sitting there on the sideline going, what the hell just happened? Exactly to us? right. Exactly. The defense is. What going, do we even focus on? Exactly, Lefko. They hit me the with point. the screen. They hit right. me with the run up the middle. They hit me with the quick throw. They hit me with the wide receiver screen. They hit me with the jet sweep from the running back. So the players. What do we even key on? Exactly. So the players are going. 
I don't really know what happened. And then they're going over to the sideline and going, and I hope our coaches can tell us. And the coaches are going, I'm not sure how they're trying to attack us yet because they just did everything, Doug. They just did everything. Right. So they I don't really know the what the game plan is yet. Do they do this most games? Yes, they usually do. Yes, they Did are. You talk phenomenal. about like spreading the teams out and just, stuff like that. Yes, just zigging when everybody. They, I don't know why every team doesn't do screens on the first try. Well, they do. Like Sean Payton does. You'll say he did it in the first. Because series. my thing would be if there's one time the defense is really going to pin their ears back right away. Yeah, it's the, the beginning of the game. High, yeah, right, you're like right, I'm yeah. going to get Brady and I'm going to exactly. set the tone. Yeah, I would screen but, them to death. The but now, of the game. but now your team. Really did nothing physically special. They just executed plays. Yeah. But nobody had to be like, Brady didn't have to be like, I got to throw a 40-yard laser. Or, you know, uh, the the big receiver. Who the Josh hell? Gordon. Josh Gordon. He didn't have to make some crazy catch. Mm. And they, You did write, though, about Josh Gordon. His speed is starting to show, and Brady loves him. His route running is very impressive. You talked about this on Monday. Yeah, I mean. But the tape even like The tape shows it. It really does. Yeah, when Br- there's a big moment. Brady is getting into the I'm looking for Josh Gordon kind of mold. I mean, and why should he not? Because the way he runs and controls his body is special. I still don't think God, he's that like. We total just saw full this speed. happening for months. But yeah, it's it's starting to look pretty. It's just really annoying when the Patriots sign someone, you go, I bet you they turn this guy into the most important part of their <laughs> offense and take over the NFL and then it happens. Right. You did write though on the opposite side. Yeah. Khalil Mack, you wrote is useless. Useless. <clears throat> he was just you might as well put Adam Lefko out there. He can't do anything. I know that's a little unfair to me. Yeah. No, what do you mean? How is Khalil Mack useless? He's in our top five MVP candidates. Well, I'm just saying he's his ankle is bad, and it's probably a lot worse than they've let it like let on to for all of us to believe. Wow. He's, he's got nothing. He has no explosion off the line of scrimmage. He can't push anybody back. But the only thing he can do is hold to the ground and set the edge in the run game. So he's not losing ground. He's not gaining ground. He's just. He's just out there. He's pretty playing. much a three tech. He's uh, five playing technique. right now. Exactly right. He's just playing football, but he's not Khalil Mack as we know it right now for the last two weeks. So you've really been noticing this. Oh, and it's, it's really hampered their defense. Without a doubt. I mean, their game plan was correct if they had a Khalil Mack healthy. What do you mean? Because they played smart coverages, played man to man in all the right situations. Oh, it's third and three. You think you're going to throw one of these Edelman dink and dunkers over us? We're going to have. A guy on a man-to-man and a linebacker in that area where right. you're going to go, no. But so, they just couldn't get the pass rush. It was non-existent the whole game. And you know, I'm disappointed in guys like Leonard Floyd. I don't know where he's gone as a pass rusher. But, yes, that's what kind of player Khalil Mack is. And as we know, when you want to beat the Patriots, when you can do it with your front four and keep everybody in coverage, that's when you can beat them. How much longer do you think this is going to be this way? Like, th- the way it looks, I bet you another three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Bet against the Bears. It's definitely an issue. And Khalil Mack being, quote, useless at this point. Right. I mean, I I don't mean like... How much does that change their defense? Uh... I just think it's going to make Vic Fangio go with certain situations and certain quarterbacks. He's going to go, damn, I can't really play the defense I want to play. I might have to bring two or three people. Now, he even did that a few times during the game. He knew Khalil Mack couldn't rush the passer, so there was a few third downs and obvious passing situations where Khalil Mack dropped out. He dropped out. They send somebody in. It's still a four-man rush. But, yeah, he's really just a body out there in a shell of himself right now. All right, so I have all your notes in front of me for the Bears offense and for the Patriots defense. I'm going to bring up – I'm just going to let everyone know that I, I listened to the Mike Lombardi podcast, uh, and he is dead set – 
that Trubisky's not a quarterback for right. the NFL. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I know I've heard him say that. Where do you stand? I don't stand that strong yet. No, I'd like to see more. Because um, we came in on Monday, and a lot of people were in that meeting room. Matt was in that meeting room. He goes, I just don't find Trubisky impressive. Yeah, um, I've been a Trubisky defender. I don't, I don't think I can defend him in this game. That's oh. for sure. This is his worst game of the year. Yeah, seeing the field quality of the football like I always talk about I'm not into like oh he was 26 of 50 I don't give a damn I mean if you're 26 for 50 and on those 24 incompletions nobody was freaking open and you threw the ball where you were aiming for and putting it in safe places and it just is incomplete then that's not a bad quarterback play but when there's people open and Tariq Cohen's running down the sidelines and you throw the ball three yards out of bounds and I see the balls wobbling everywhere and then I see six or seven throws like that as the game goes on to continue even more. Yeah. And then some bad decisions along with it. That is when I go, okay, this is, this is not a good day. He's missing open receivers. He's not seeing some of them. He's missing the throws of some of them. He, should, he threw two picks. You know, he had three or four dropped. The two picks were actually amazing catches. Incredible Incredible catches. But it was like football gods were like, well, you should have already thrown four. We've dropped them, oh. so we got to give you two, okay? Uh, but, yes, it was – I understand what Mike's saying there because Trubisky is on that fine line of what you and I talk about, right? Is he a quarterback who's a good athlete or is he an athlete who plays quarterback? What do we call it again? And Fake QBs. Fake QBs. And he might be. I'm not saying he's not. In the Tannehill. But I still think Bortles. it's very early to say that. And I do think some of the criticism early on in the year was unfair because of that, too. But, yeah, I can't defend him after this game. Uh, on the other you said that the Patriots really couldn't defend his running game either. No, that was the one thing that they were not – I don't think they thought, like, he's going to run like that on us. They were like, let's stay in our pass rush lanes, but – They didn't keep a spy or anything Not like until that. late in the game. It's a finally, real weapon for him. Oh, he can really he run. He is a true athlete. He really is. Uh, New England's defense. Yeah. Alandon Roberts being back, you wrote down, is huge. Yeah. And Jackson, number 27. Yeah, J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson. Yeah. Maryland kid. Maryland kid. Uh, I think he had some off-the-field troubles. But you wrote that he's better than Devin McCourty? Yes. Not, 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 well, wait, I meant Jason McCourty, didn't okay, I? Okay, because yeah. that's why I started. Sorry, sorry. Yes. I wrote 30, and then I wrote Devin McCourty. Wait, so, yes. Who's the safety? Jason? Devin. Jason's the corner. Damn, I'm confused. I've known these they two are fuckers twins. my whole life, and I <laughs> still can't figure it out. Uh, so, he's better than Jason. Right. Jason starts the game at corner. J.C. Jackson is a special athlete, and he jumped out in the draft process to me. But I can't remember, and you might have to look it up. I I, I want to say he got kicked out of, a school, out of school for getting in trouble somewhere, but... 6'1", 190 pounds, I mean, can play man-to-man, can go, and gets his hands on you at the line of scrimmage, good luck. But, yeah, I think with him and Jonathan Jones at nickelback, that's their best secondary. It gives them two really legit athletes. Like Jonathan Jones guys. had one of those crazy picks. He did. They both. There was both of them with the picks. Well, it was those two. It was JC. I thought it was Eddie Jackson. Yeah, no, it was J.C. Jackson who got that with his right arm there. That was incredible. That was incredible. But he's a player to watch out for. And the point with the Alandon Roberts thing is, Alandon Roberts is their most athletic linebacker, right? Yes. He's the guy that can run sideline to sideline. So it doesn't ha- make them have to play high tower there all the time. 
I, I think New England's at their best when Roberts is in the middle and they can use Hightower on the edge as an outside linebacker. Deep Another and pass Bando rusher. The same way. Went to Florida, uh, was uh, charged with four, uh, four felony charges for armed robbery, declared not guilty, and then went to Maryland. But So that was the issue. That's why he went undrafted. Because I'm just telling you from the draft process, this guy was a first three rounds type of talent. I mean, he's 6'1", 190. I want to say he ran like low 4'4s at the Combine, Josh. Yep. I want to say it I'll was check like 4'4", four, four, something like that. But he's a player. All right. I want to go to Ravens Saints. 4'4", four, 6". Four, 4'4", four, four, okay. Ravens Saints. One of my favorite things, we're going to start right here, Meme Town. How come Flacco does nothing on the Wildcat and it becomes an internet joke, but when Breeze does it, it's okay? You so know, what man. happened? So was Breeze doing the same thing that Flacco did? I mean, when Taysom Hill runs the ball, he stands there and watches the play. But, again, this is not an attack on Drew Breeze. No, it's, it's just more of a defense psyche, of Joe Flacco. Our psyche of America. I just don't even know. That's what it's about. Did you know the Flacco thing was a whole on the internet? Everyone watched I it and did, made fun of him? Because, like, I feel like somebody in the office showed me on Monday. The video? Yes. Uh, we put it up. And maybe it was, I think that's where I first saw it. You put it up on Sunday night? On Instagram, yeah. Yeah, I think my wife it showed me. It was hilarious. Me. Yeah, I get it. It is hilarious. And it but looks it's crazy. screwed up, yeah. But it's screwed up, and every other quarterback who gets put in that situation does exactly what Joe Flacco does. But because it's Joe Flacco, and for some reason it's easy to jump on him, let's make it an internet thing. Yeah. When I could show you 10 plays, Taysom Hill running the ball, and nobody, it's, oh, I mean, it just that that crap bothers me in this business. It bothers me. Like, oh, you don't get the benefit of the doubt, but you're cool standing out there doing nothing. What? I don't understand that. So I just had to point it out. All right, let's put up a video of Drew Brees doing it. I'm going to record off your computer. All right. We'll put that out. Right. Saints offense, you wrote body blows. Body blows. I'll just say this. The game was 17-7, to and I'm going. Ravens are up. I already know who's won this game, and I'm watching the film. And I'm going, there's no way the Saints can win this game. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. Why? The Ravens are controlling the game on both sides of the ball. Both sides. Saints are just just squeaking by to stay in the game. But I wrote body blows because the first drive of the game, right? Where we talked about, what, 15-play drive, 10 minutes, okay? Then you go on to later in the game. They put a long drive right before the half to get seven points, Okay. Then it's the third quarter. They get, uh, I, I don't think it's the third quarter. I think I'm in the fourth quarter now. And hold on, I'm just pulling it up. But then they get into the fourth quarter here. And, oh, it's a 12 play, 77-yard drive, 75-yard drive to just make it 17 Killing 40. the defense. And Baltimore is controlling everything. But the body blows, like in a good boxing fight where you always go, you know, you always hear the announcer in the body in those fights go, you know, these are going to come back to help this guy yep. in round nine because it's yep. going to wear this guy out and he's going to put him on the ground. And it was all the third down and fourth down conversions, staying consistent with the power run game, long drives. It kept Baltimore's defense on the field. And listen, being on the field is one thing, but being on the field consecutively is a whole nother thing. Like, just like anything, you could probably squat 300 pounds once or twice. I'm being... I don't know about that. Okay, so let's say your max is 250. Say, yeah. Okay, let's just say that. 185. Okay, let's go be, with 185. Yeah, 185. You can do it two or three times. Give me a few minutes, I'll do it again. But what if I ask you to keep doing it 25 times in a row? Probably wouldn't be able You're to You're going to die out at some point. 
And when Drew Brees scrambled to the right in the fourth quarter and was getting sacked and threw the ball to Michael Thomas to get the first down on a third and eight. Amazing play. It was an amazing play. And it just changed the game. Yes. Changed, from that point on. Because it was a, it was like the first third down that was like a little bit longer. And that the Ravens were like, the Ravens now were controlling we got the game. Yes. Exactly right. 17-7. They just scored. That was the play. That was and when you're I went, going, ah, the Ravens are fucked. You're going, yeah. yeah I, and I was going, man, the Ravens are going to win this game. There's no way they're going to convert this. This is They've been all over their yeah, stuff. And, yeah, they're, yeah. and he made that play. And it was like the Ravens were like, oh, gosh. We got to stay out here for six more plays. And all of a sudden, you can see the momentum in the New Orleans sidelines. All of a sudden, runs up the middle that were going for zero. There was push there for three and, and then four. You, and then, tell me if I'm right. Yeah. Or if I'm wrong. Yeah. Not even Kamara, not even Ingram. It's when Taysom Hill comes in and he runs over a linebacker and gets seven. Yeah. That that's the guy that I feel like they use the most when they want that kill shot. There's something about seeing a white BYU quarterback take the edge and knock out a safety and get eight yards that just kills your spirit. Yes. And he just pops up smiling like a lo- like a weirdo. Yeah. He's just like, I love contact. Right. Lefko loves Taysom Hill. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm, I think I'm, Sean Payton does too. The the reason that I love him is I don't believe that a lot of coaches would ever give someone like Taysom Hill a chance. Right. I think a lot of coaches would go, he's not really a quarterback. I don't have a spot for him on my roster. And I feel like Sean Payton looks at him and, I mean, we're watching a game-winning drive on a third and three where Sean Payton takes Drew Brees out of the game. Yeah. Think about that. I know. Drew Brees comes out of the game on a game-winning drive on third down, and Taysom Hill goes in. No, gets he the... just stands over there. He doesn't come over. Is that over. what happened? He just stands over there at receiver. So just they play like, with 10 guys. Just like Yeah, Joe they Blanco. play with 10 guys, right. and Taysom Hill gets the first down, flips the ball back to Drew, and goes, all right, I'm done. Goodbye. Yeah. But, like, I don't think a lot of coaches would ever have that, that no, idea. The vision. The I, vision. Yeah. It would be too complicated. Yeah. I got a quarterback, and he does quarterback stuff. That's why I give a lot of credit to Harbaugh. Yeah. They're making this Lamar Jackson thing work. Right. I, I agree with you. And Taysom Mills, he's playing tight end now and fullback. I'd rather have Taysom Mill than Lamar Jackson gonna, right now. I would, too. I would, too. Just for now. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't like how they used Lamar in this game. First of all, Lamar has to lose weight. Oh. Lamar is not as fast. He's getting into I-need-to-be-a-bigger-quarterback mode. He is not as fast. Lamar Jackson should be able to turn the corner on Cam Jordan. And he did not. I mean, he got like a few yards after that, but he stumbled and fell. His speed is not where it needs to be, and I always, yeah, I think it's a. I'm a firm thing. believer that he should hand it off every time, because every time he comes in, right. we assume he's keeping it. Well, okay, and now to that point, okay, I would hand it off. They had a third and eight on like the 15 yard line going in, and they put Lamar in, Lamar, and decided to run his first pass of the season right there. Are you kidding me? Are you? <laughs> kidding me i don't even know what to say to that you're playing the saints you're playing the saints you're four and two and the steelers are on a bye and yet yeah, people are starting to you know play good in the afc you got the chargers who are five and two and the patriots are going to be there and you got the chiefs and yeah you're going to let lamar jackson throw his first meaningful nfl pass inside the red zone against the saints and a set in a i think it was a it might have been a I don't even know what and the Joe score Flacco was. And Joe Flacco played well nearly the entire game. The whole game. Flacco played amazing. And his last drive was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. 
But that, to me, makes absolutely no sense at all. We've we've had a couple weeks in a row now where you said Joe Flacco played amazing. Joe Flacco's, other than the Bengals game, has really played. Yeah. I mean, and you're not just saying good; you're using words like amazing. Yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm using things again. Like I don't even, I'm not even going to know his stats and all those kind of things. I'm just telling you when Joe says I want to hit that red bullseye yeah. that's 30 yards away, he's, it's the, the bell. The bell's ringing every time. It's and, going it's, ding, and, the, ding, and the bell's name is typically John Brown. Right, right, right. So yeah, he's and he's moving in the pocket a little. You know their offense is not glamorous, but it do they do enough to where it, you know Joe. If you give him protection, he can really throw it, and he's doing that. And he certainly wasn't the reason they lost this game. I still feel good about pumping up the Ravens preseason. You yeah. said that that little O started for the Ravens this week. Started at right tackle, did a really good job. I told you that I think the Saints' biggest issue is that pass rush. I still think the Ravens. You want to talk about a team that needs to make a move. The Ravens need to if they need to call LaShawn McCoy. They need to call a running back. They are leaving yards on the field. You're not a big Alex Collins, Javorius Allen believer. I, I mean, big would be an understatement. I don't believe in them at all. They are third and fourth running back material. They're not first or second. And they are leaving yards on the field on a weekly basis. Alex Collins looks like he runs so hard. I, I mean, I'm sure he is trying really hard, and I don't mean to be a jerk about him, but he's running hard and really not going anywhere. You know when I knew Alex Collins was in trouble? When? When I beat his ass in Dance Dance Revolution four years ago? Yep. Damn yep. right! Damn. NFL rookie premiere. We have video of Joey Bosa and Hunter Henry playing Dance Dance Revolution. And then at the end, Alex Collins got up there and faced off with Fendrick, and Fendrick beat him. Oh, I would. Oh, my God. And at that I... moment, I went, this guy's in yeah. trouble. And he is like an Irish yes. big he, dancer. Yeah, and he too, thought right? he was going to be. Yeah, but Fendrick is the kid that hangs out at Dave and Buster's and is like, you guys want to go? He's got like DDR tags. I actually had DDR at my house, so I didn't have to go to David Buster. <laughs> you, you didn't have to. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up. So you think the Ravens should trade for a running back? I do, I do. I think that they need somebody else. They need a difference maker at that position. Not a difference maker, but they need somebody that has another gear that those guys don't. And they need to. They need no, because those guys it. are never going to break it to the outside. No, but and there's so many plays that are there. Alex to be... Collins' best ability is turning a negative one carry into a plus one carry, but he's never going to turn a five into a fifteen. No, he's not. But he does do that other thing really well. He does. And he's he really good hard, at breaking like the first two. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's not against that. It's just and Javorius to... doesn't drop the ball. No, and Javorius is just big and slow. I don't know what other way to say it. That's just the way it is. But man, the page, I mean the the Saints, that was amazing, okay? It really was what they did to go up there, like I said, bullying the Ravens at their own game. And um out Baltimore, Baltimore. out Baltimore Baltimore in Baltimore. Okay, that doesn't happen very much. And yeah, six for fourteen on third down. Like people are gonna look at that and go, Oh, six for fourteen on third, that's pretty good. But it's really more than that. Like, it's other things like that. It's not 6 for 14. It ends up being 10 for 14 because the, the, the MF or head coach went for it on fourth down and kept those drives alive. He does things that I love where on, like, third and seven, he does, like, a draw play and turns it into fourth and three because he already knows he's going for it on fourth down. Yes. And I, I've always believed this, too. He ran a when tall it, sweep on third and eight and when backed it, up at his own end zone, and they got the first down. When a team believes that they've stopped you on third down and you're going to punt and they release a motion, right. 
I always think it's great to go for it on fourth down because they've already celebrated. They've already like, yeah, we won this series. And, and you're like, like, oh, shit, i got to keep playing. It's not over yet. No, yeah, not at all. Right, right. Uh, was there any other games that you saw that you really want to focus on? Because I will say we got some film requests from YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and one of them was right. uh, Saints third down conversions in the second half from yeah. Tyler Munisi. Okay. And you just talked about that. Right. That the third downs for the Saints were fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, whether it was Breeze, like I said, there was a third and 80, ran a toss sweep to Kamara one time. Um, you know, yeah, there was a number of little third and three, third and four throws that they made. That's where if they get you in certain situations, they get you third and five or less. They're going to get the first down more times than not, or they're going to get real close to where, like you said, they can go for it on fourth and one. Do you want to go through these, Mister YouTube? The YouTube comments. I was yeah. just going to say, yeah, go for it. Uh, Raphael Villa, Villa Mazar, Adam Thielen in the Vikings offense. Yeah, it's not stopping anytime soon. Right. You texted me during the game yeah. and said you're still worried about the Vikings offense. Yeah. It still looks a little bit too simple. All they have are crossers to Thielen. Their still offense, believe that? Yeah, their offense is not as good as last year. Think about what you're seeing from their offense, and let's put it all in the context. Everybody that's listening out there, this is not going to go well on the well, internet. That's well, fine. Yeah. Tell them the truth. Well, yeah. no, the the stats look great. I'm actually going to praise Adam Thielen here. So this is uh, oh, go for, no, yeah. I want to hear the truth. Okay. I'm just laughing in my head because I know how people respond. No, to these I don't. Things. I think the offense is as good as last year as a whole. Last year, they were kind of a machine. They were one of the best running teams in football. They were amazing at play-action pass. What I'm going to tell you here is they are not the same well-oiled machine, but they have a quarterback who's pretty damn awesome, and he's thrown to two pretty damn awesome receivers. Thielen, I think, is more awesomer than Diggs, okay? But yes, and then think about the game. First drive, long third down, bomb touchdown. Jets, they had the ball inside the Jets' territory like four times and came away with like two field goals. They didn't do anything. Then it was Latavius Murray breaks a big run. Then it was, it's fourth and eight. Bomb from Kirk Cousins. Think about the Eagles game. Backed up. Bomb to Adam Thielen. They're really a, think about the Packers game. Touchdown down the sidelines. Huge bomb over the top. To Thielen. It's a big play offense right now. It's not an offense that just dissects you and surgical like it was last year or like some of the other great offenses. And I'm not saying that can't keep up. I'm just saying that's a hard thing to keep up, and we got to keep our eye on it. Because when you're always relying on that aspect, that will be harder to do against we the better quality football teams. We saw it with the Tampa Bay Bucks and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. That's- but what were you going to praise Thielen for? Oh, I mean, Thielen is just, he's a hell of a player. And I, I'm just saying that, yeah, their offensive overall is not as good. But with this quarterback and Thielen and Diggs' ability to beat one-on-one coverage, they can, on a lot of weeks, just say, well, eh, fine. We can do it ourselves. Us three. Let's do it. How are you seeing any double coverage of Adam Thielen? No. No. Again, that's why he's not a top-five receiver, because the Jets put Daryl Roberts on him for most of the game. and. Do you know who Daryl Roberts is? Do you know what number he wears? 35. Nope, you don't. 27. You're Damn. wrong. So, yeah, that's what I mean. So, again, those are the arguments I make when you go, Adam Thielen should be a Yeah, but why receiver. can't I say that defensive coordinator is dumb? You could say that. He's dumb. I, I, he, I think that's a justifiable comment, too. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely taking a risk. But I would also claim to you on those plays, it's not like he's blowing by these people. It's not like we're going like, whoa, he's out of here. That was crazy to ask that guy to cover him man-to-man. It's like... Oh, I just missed the ball. When he caught that touchdown in my group chat with my fantasy league, there was a legitimate discussion. Is Adam Thielen the best wide receiver in football with like five people giving it the thumbs up emoji? Oh my gosh, guys. Are you kidding me? Gosh, what is this like? 
What? Come on. You're that, you're that much in disagreement. Well, to say is that, no, yes, sorry, no, negative, Ghost Rider, pattern's full. I don't even know what to say. There's so many things I really want to say. No wide receiver's ever done what he's done. Okay. You Except know. for Charlie Hennigan in 1960 for the Houston Oilers. Hey, it's Thanks. awesome, and he's really awesome. But he's not demanding the attention of some of the guys that are in front of him. There is a meme online, and Roderick Sherrod has brought it to YouTube. Can Trubisky throw left? Can Trubisky throw left? People think he has Zoolander disease, and he can he only throw does, right. Now that you're saying it, I think about it. He does throw the ball to the right a whole lot. Now he's thrown some. He's thrown some to the left, like the Tampa game. He definitely had a few to his left. But you're right. Now that I'm thinking of it, more, most of his big throws that jump to my mind are to the right side. Have you ever heard of anything like this before? No, not really. All right, just in your next film I'll, study, I'll, I'll try to keep a closer look. Uh, Cowboys. Cowboys Redskins. Cowboys are offensively deficient. I watched the film. They lost the battle on both sides of the ball up front. And really, their offense lost them the game. That's all I can really say. Their offense, it was a field position game. That's it what it was. And Dallas really could never change the field position for like the first three quarters of the football game. And that was the big reason. The Redskins O-line is pretty damn good. And I'm going to double down on my, they need to be a power run football team. Are you worried about Zeke long term? I mean, I'm this season. Like, no, but I, I still don't think Zeke looks the same way he did our rookie year. And I don't think his legs look the same either. And I'm just going to say that. I think some of these superstar guys, like I'll throw Marshawn Lattimore in this too, because I know you didn't read all my notes. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore couldn't catch John Brown. Marcus Williams caught him. Like, that's an issue to me. You're a top 10 pick. You're a corner. That guy was holding a ball in his hand. You weren't. You should catch him, not the free safety. You guys started at the equal spot. I would actually argue you got a little head start on Marcus Williams. You had a dive and completely whiffed. Marcus Williams ran and caught him. Those are little things I look at to go either, one, you're not training as hard as you should be because you're not under the college like scope all the time or right. you're going to be here at 6 a.m. for workouts. Or that. You're being treated like a professional, like a man. And you didn't have combine workouts in April and March to get you still in shape. Exactly right. So those are things I worry about. Like with young guys, don't fall into that trap. Now you got some money in your pocket and you're maybe staying out a little late. Things like that. You're going to parties and being introduced as all pro. Exactly. I will say that's why I'm so impressed with Kareem Hunt. Exactly. That's why you, you should be. There is no one that I underestimated more this year than Kareem Hunt, mainly because we saw him at Super Bowl, and I went, this guy? But guy, Yeah, I know. And I, I'm sitting there, like, I'm telling you, man, NFL players are sometimes underwhelming. Yes. Like, And I saw Kareem Hunt wearing like kind of a baggy polo, and I was like, this guy doesn't he even look He was wearing uh, that Pepsi jacket. He looked, he looked like nothing. Now, I'll say in, he his, looked de- like I'll say in his defense, guys but he like runs that, like something. Well, he runs like something. He doesn't give a damn what he looks like for you. That's what I'm going to tell you, too. And I would bet you a guy like that. After so the, I should actually like guys that show up wearing worse clothes. Well, no, I think he's basically going. I'm really secure in who I am as an athlete and as a player. I just thought it was really early this, in the morning. The season's over, and he probably hadn't worked out at one day. Since, so he'd gone like six weeks of like chilling, chilling. Right? Who knows what chilling would consist of? Yeah. But he wasn't in the weight room grinding like a guy like him. Could come back a month later after the Super Bowl, and we were like, "All right, we need to start working out four days." And you'd be like, "Whoa, he is rocked up!" Like that's what kind of gifted person that that guy is too. So they, he, their body switch. They like can that. switch like that, right? I scrolled back and I found the quotes from Monday. 
Uh, David Geeslin, he wrote this down for us. We're Baltimore. Screw Baltimore. They out Baltimore. Baltimore in Baltimore. Wow. Uh, ben Ferraro, throw in the white towel is something you've been saying. <laughs> I have. Which is not how you're supposed to say that. And then. Uh, Why? It's throw in the white th- towel or raise the white flag. Throw you- in the towel or raise the white flag. Oh, you're right. It is. I guess you would say that. Well, in my world, in Rocky Four, Sylvester Stallone throws in a white towel. Everybody's yeah, trying to say, don't hit Apollo. Our, most towels are white for the most part, but I know not all of them. This is a diverse world. We got all No, I was going to say, towels. I don't like white towels because I don't like to see the dirt on them. Yeah. Well, I prefer a gray towel. Well, how, do you shower and clean yourself? Or yeah, do but you come out and like, oh, it's still dirty. Let me. Uh. And then Chuck Hover 74 <laughs> tweeted at us, how could you forget Rocket Wobbler? I laughed so hard at that. Bortles is out here throwing these damn Rocket Wobblers. Rocket passes. Wobblers, yes. Yeah, good luck trying to catch a rocket wobbler. The opposite of a piss missile yeah, is uh, a rocket wobbler. Yeah, a rocket wobbler. Like, I don't know where that thing's going. He threw it so hard. It's wobbling, and I'm probably going to dislocate a finger, but I'll catch it. If it's Bortles still is out here throwing rocket wobblers on Sunday, you should throw in the white towel. Yeah. <laughs> it's still better than Jason Witten. You, you see that? He, he pulled a cat out of his head. What? A rabbit. You, a rabbit? He pulled a rabbit out of his head. Oh, that's I where you got that. the rabbit, Jason? What's really funny is he wanted to say a rabbit out of his ass, right. and then he was like, rabbit uh, hat, head, rabbit out of your head. Oh, <laughs> man, I feel bad. All right, Noah Gat 01. I yeah. think y'all should really consider doing a weekly segment where Sims talks about his favorite play from Sunday. Cool. Have him go deep into the design and why it worked and how it was set up. Thanks. Love the podcast. I, I, I don't disagree with that was there any plays that kind of stick out from the film you were just watching or yeah. any of the designs yeah let me just we think. can make this a thing moving forward too yeah we'll yeah we could um hmm. let me just think of that real quick don't give us a half-assed breakdown this no week. no yeah. i'm just trying to think i'm i'm just real quickly looking through the teams just going is there anyone that really jumped out i have me? a simple one yeah and it really wasn't that intense and obviously this is not for me but this is part of what yeah, i do go ahead do it there was the dropped Tyreek Hill 50-yard touchdown. Oh, right. And the only reason that I'm bringing it up is it's crazy to me that Tyreek Hill can start on the left, come in, and then run out, and he outrun triple coverage. Yeah. Like, he had a safety on top, a corner on the outside, and a corner on the inside, and he just ran to the middle field and ran out, and he was wide open. And that went to your Tyreek Hill's the best wide receiver in the NFL because I don't think any other wide receiver could have gotten open there. No. Yeah, but that was the one w- play that I was like, wow. Like, I wish that when I'm watching the NFL games that after a big play or like I believe that every broadcast, like on the Odell, should he have kept running, they should give us the coach's film the very next thing. I don't need to see the super zoom. Right. I don't need to see the fist bump on the sideline. I think we're at a point with the NFL where if there's a big play, immediately after, get on the coach's film, give me the yellow pen, and let's figure it out. And I don't I know that a lot of times they go to commercial break because they want to see it for themselves. And how many times have you seen Chris Collinsworth circle a guy and go, watch Fletcher Cox and he circles Timmy Jernigan. He goes, right. ah, I circle the wrong guy. Right. I don't care. But give me the on top. Like we should as football fans not have to pay for NFL game pass and study film to see what's going on. Yeah. It really should be your job. So I, I, that's, I saw the game, the coach's film, right afterwards, and it made sense. But right. that was my rant on I think Tyreek Hill is just a weapon, so I don't even want to yeah, address I that I conversation. I know, yeah, it's I just a you. weapon. Yeah, but did any right. plays while I was doing my little thing? There, uh, I thought mind? about the touchdown pass to the Rams that he threw to Brandon Cooks in the left front of the end zone. Uh, golf. Just uh, 
play action fake. They always hit they always hit Cook on these crossers, crossers. He sells the crosser hard. Corners going, oh, he's running the crosser. I'm going to go. And he stops and he comes back out. That was a great play. I found lately I've been getting more of a kick out of like the gadget plays for the most part. Like Kansas City, oh. I haven't got to that film yet. They always have some fun down the field shots like to what you were talking yeah. about. But um, I'm getting more of a kick lately out of like I like talk about tying plays together. Like we talked about with the Patriots on the first play. Run up the middle. 18 yards. Looks like the same run. Fake it. Screen to the running back. You didn't see that coming. 10 yards. Yeah. Those are the things I look at a lot of times and go, wow. But I will start to mark those more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As we go forward. I Matthew think- Stafford had a few throws on that game that were jaw-dropping. It wasn't necessarily play design. But I went, uh-oh. Here comes Matthew Stafford. Yo, I'm so in on the Lions right now. It's yeah. pretty crazy. I was just thinking, though, I saw a clip, I think, that checked down posted of, like, big guy touchdowns. Dude, Andy's always been doing this. Don Terry Poe, the jump touchdown pass. Yeah. He just – I appreciate coaches that work. It's really all I care yeah, about. Yeah, I, I hear that. Uh, Thursday night football, Miami, Houston, not talking spreads, anything like that. Brocktober comes back. Uh, Brock Osweiler, all the wide receivers heard on Miami. Houston, Deshaun Watson gets back on his bus, drives back. Houston started off 0-3. They're now 4-3. Yep. Miami started off 3-0. and They're now 4-3. and So they, they're same record, but different journeys to get here. Yeah. I feel like Houston's operating at a much higher level than Miami is right now. I, I, I mean, I feel like they're certainly on a different trajectory right now. and I feel like they have the best unit. I feel like their defense is the best unit of the four. I would agree with that. There's no doubt about that, especially with the way Clowney and Merciless played last week. Oh, Merciless is back too? Yeah, Merciless was real. Last week was the first game. I was like, oh, there's 59. He's been is playing. Reader playing well too? He is. So when you have the Reader, Merciless, Watt, Clowney. Honey Badger. You know, he looks good. Bro, uh, Jonathan Mc- Joseph is still solid. Who's that linebacker? They moved uh, Broderick. Know, or, or, or Broderick McKinney. Solid. Right. I know. They got a lot of they're, – they're always one of my favorite watches because they want to kick your ass. I would expect them to win a tough physical football game somewhere in the, I'm going to say, 24 to 17 range. You're not, where are there. you with Deshaun Watson right now? Deshaun Watson, I think last week, yeah, again, that Jaguars D was really good. He managed the game and played the game correctly, and that's what you should have done. Did he look hurt when he was playing? Not really. Good. I can't say that he did, and he threw some phenomenal footballs uh, to DeAndre Hopkins, even Hopkins a touchdown. Tore up a little. Ramsey. Hopkins is an interesting matchup for Ramsey because Ramsey's not scared of his speed. But Hopkins ain't scared of his physicality either. Yeah, but you know what? Two years ago, yeah. Ramsey owned him. I, I mean, know we he talked about it for an right. entire offseason. Yes, I know. When I watched that game, yeah. it was like Hopkins studied the boxing film and had a counter for Where everything. he won a lot of his battles. He was not going to be punked at the line of scrimmage of that game. And he gave it back to Jalen Ramsey real good. He, de- he definitely did. Do you think Kenyon Drake and the running game can get going Frank Gore against Texans, or is that just, no, we should sit back and use small throws? I do think that you'll see a few plays gash the Texans because the Texans will do some things up front every now and then where, oh, Jadeveon Clowney, he was a DN, and all of a sudden he comes shooting through the B-gap standing up, and you get stuck with a run play that's called that. So I do think there will be a few opportunities where he'll get out on the edge. But I think overall, 
I just look at Texans as being a little more talented yeah. and the better coach football team. We have an interview with Mean Joe Green coming up uh, right when we wrap up here. I got one more for you. The 500 Touchdown Club. Yeah. Brett Favre, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Yeah. Brett Favre, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Right. Pretty good generation. Are they all in the same generation first? Well, or is Manning... I feel like Manning and Brady are in one. Right. I feel like Favre is the one before, and I feel like Brees is the one after. Yeah, I know. Like Brees is kind of like in the Brady-Manning era, just maybe a year or two later. He but, was drafted with Vic in yeah, 01. It's so 01, right, right? So he is the same He's thing. the same era. But I, then maybe Manning and Favre. Well, Manning was in 98. Yeah. Favre was early 90s. So Favre's not in that era. Yeah, Favre, Favre was 92. Or not, even before that, 91. So Manning, Breeze, Brady, and Favre. Maybe even before that. You have one drive to win a game. Who you picking for one drive? Oh. All in their same, prime. Same coaching staff, same weapons. I'm not taking same Brett protection. Favre. I just know that right now. So all automatically out of Taking it. Brett. All just because don't... of the interception against the Saints. And the Giants. And the Giants. Uh, and I've witnessed them throw into quadruple he is, coverage. He is definitely protecting the ball the least. Without a doubt. Okay. So he's, yeah, he also might make the most unreal throw and win yes. the game with that. But I leaving would ra- a minute and a half left on the clock for the other <laughs> right. Team. I would rather have the more consistent one here: Breeze, Brady, or Manning. To me, it, it comes down to I have my vote: Brady and Manning for me. It's one of those two, mm. and I've never thought about this. But one drive, I think I would one go with drive. Tom Brady. That's what I went with. Yeah, I got to go with Tom. Peyton uh, is amazing, definitely. But Brady's just done it way too many times, so many different ways, knows the situations, how to play them. And, of course, some of that We've goes into We've also seen it so many times. Exactly right. All right, another question. Yeah. Favre, Breeze, Brady, Manning, playing from behind. Who would you rather have? Ooh. I'd rather have Peyton. I feel like Peyton with momentum, and it's like it's about clock yes. management, stops, smart decisions, use of timeouts. I just think Peyton is the orchestrator, and maybe it's also because I've seen that a lot. You think about the Tampa have. Bay game and all that. Like right. Peyton Manning coming back, I just feel like that. I feel like Peyton Manning is better coming back than than playing with a lead. Uh, I mean, it, it, it did seem that way. I mean, it's when they were at their most dangerous. I. It's between now there. Breeze is pretty damn Gosh, good. Gosh, they're it too. all good. Gosh, I mean, the, the Brady only brought him back from twenty-eight to three in Super Bowl fifty-one. Uh, no, he didn't. Really? You almost got me. I hadn't heard about that. It's, it's it's Manning or Favre, I think, for me. When you're from behind, from behind, yes, because I just feel like they're going to make some throws. Like Favre's going to push the envelope again. He might throw an interception where you go, okay, we lost. Yeah, but there's a good chance that he's going to make three or four throws that you go, damn. We're back in this thing. Mm. But I think I would go with Manning as well. Mm. Manning changed the game. He is a game changer. That's where I hope everybody realizes out there that, yeah, his legacy won't be Tom Brady. Um, but I think in his prime, he is definitely in the conversation for the greatest quarterback of all time, yes. Peyton Manning. And he is a... First of all, one of the most amazing stats, I think we talked about this on Monday, is the fact that he went to four Super Bowls with four different head coaches. Yes, you said that. That is an amazing stat. I mean, that's an amazing. That's like his, like the 32 teams thing. But he's a game changer like LT and some other generational players because he was truly the first offensive coordinator quarterback of this era. 
Like, right? It used to be a thing with Johnny Unitas where we just draw it up in the huddle and we do that. And then it went to totally into the coach's hands for 30 years. And then all of a sudden the sheriff came to town, Peyton, and Peyton was like, I got to get me some Papa John's. And he started running the show. Favre, Breeze, Brady, Manning, one drive to win a game, or Rodgers? Oh, Rodgers. <laughs> And that right. is the Sims and Lefko podcast. Rogers is like the most for sure thing ever. Awesome. I have two things before we go. Okay. One. Well, we're going to mean Joe Green. I know. I just got offered a phone interview with Jalen Ramsey. So we're going to do that coming up soon. Awesome. Nice. Get that scheduled. Right. Uh, number I two. I wonder if he's actually going to talk to us. Yeah, who knows? He hasn't really been talking lately. Uh, Mike Garofolo on Twitter just put this out. Malcolm Jenkins speaking about the Players Coalition and noting his constant support of Colin Kaepernick when he added, quote, I can turn on the tape this week of our opponent, the Jaguars, and see that Colin Kaepernick deserves a job. Malcolm Jenkins just wow, said that. I love that. Malcolm Jenkins said yeah. that? I love that. And I just That's I'm so great. mad at Eric Reed for going at Malcolm Jenkins. I don't like that. Uh, one other thing, Juju Smith Schuster bought one hundred more than a hundred mega millions tickets, and afterwards he said, I tried to win so that we can get Le'Veon back, but it didn't work. That's hilarious. Juju's funny as hell. He is funny. All right, guys, here is our interview with legendary Hall of Famer, one of the absolute pinnacles of defense in the history of the NFL, mean Joe Green. What's up, Joe Green? Joe Green! Oh, that's me? Yeah! That is you. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Sims and Lefko podcast, my good friend. Sims and Lefko podcast. Yep. Mm, How does that sound? That sounds real, real 21st century. Oh, it does. (laughs) You know, well, the 20th century was Phil Sims, but now we're in the new century, okay? So it's Chris Sims now, all right? (laughs) Did, oh really? Did, did you did you did you get to hit my dad at all back in the day? I think I did. Good. I think I did. I'm glad. I hope you. Actually, uh, I may have been the first. You, uh, I think you are think one of them because is. my father still talks about his first on the field experience, and you guys were still in the game in a preseason football game. Yep, sure was preseason football game. I, I think I said something to him that he didn't forget. <laughs> he it wasn't would. mean. I wasn't mean to him. Right, but you said like, oh, what, welcome to the NFL or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. It's going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> After playing you guys, it can't get worse. All right, we got Mean Joe Green, compliments of the Hometown Hall of Famers presented by Ford Motor Company. You are being honored at your alma mater, University of North Texas, on October 26th. They're unveiling a plaque for Mean Joe, making North Texas the 122nd official school of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mean Joe, that's got to feel pretty good. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm honored that uh, the Hall of Fame uh, thought about me for doing the, uh, doing this, and I, and the Ford Motor Company for sponsoring it. Uh, how I think the first place I'd like to start is how did you end up Mean Joe Green at North Texas? Where was Texas A and M? Where was Oklahoma? Where was T- University of Texas? How did that even happen? Well, um, all three of those schools were. Not in the not in the, in the area where I was being recruited. They were probably someplace in Mars. They hadn't heard about <laughs> guys like me. Ah, uh, that's great. <laughs> they obviously were on Mars if they misevaluated you. Well, uh, that was doing the that was doing um, 
Uh, I think my senior year was 65. And that, you know, that, Chris, that was the first year that uh, the Southwest Conference uh, was, was integrated. Um, Jerry Levias went to SMU. Right. That year. And uh, North Texas had been integrated for about 10 years at that time. So, um, and I, uh, when I chose North Texas, I was happy about it. And I haven't regretted a moment uh, since. Uh, you shouldn't. I think it, I think it all worked out in the uh, the right way. Okay, so Mean Joe Green, seventy Steelers. I want to know what your outlook on the NFL is right now. Do you think the NFL, the modern day NFL, is getting soft with some of their rules and the quarterback things? I would just love to hear your perspective on this. Well, um, well, Chris. Now <laughs> I play defense, and I've never, never been a fan of. Quarterbacks. It was very tough to like my quarterback, Terry. <laughs> of course, I'm just kidding about him. Kind of. It's okay. Don't worry. But, uh, um, you know, it, 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 it's hard to, for a player to be on the field and he is void of contact. Right. You can't hit him. That's that's not football. No. Because, they, you know, they, they have taken away – above the shoulders and they've taken away below actually say below the knees but it, it appears that it might be below the waist uh, yeah i think you're right and so what does that leave yeah. not much not much right and I, chris to tell you the truth now you know better than me if they leave if it becomes illegal for those guys to go empty that probably would 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 would, would uh, improve the health of these quarterbacks if they keep a back in the backfield and maybe a tight end to yes, block. Right, that would help. But it goes against the idea of creating more offense. Right. But it's I think it it helps safety. But what I really think is that uh, um, we're in transition. Yes. We're in transition, and we don't really like the place where we are from the standpoint of the health of the game. Um, so we try to make it healthy, healthier. Right. And as we, and that, that has to do with changing the rules. So while we're changing them, we're trying to get to a better place. place. We're just in transition, and that's, a, that's the rough spot. Yeah. It That's is. It, a rough spot. It bothers me, Joe. It really does. Even as an ex-wimpy quarterback, I still think it's getting a little too offensive, uh, one-sided, and the defense can't use their physicality anymore. And some would say that it's getting a little one-sided when it comes to contracts too. Mean Joe, I wish you could have been around. I, I wish you could have been around when there was, you know, free agency and the salaries were so crazy. Your former team, the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell holding out. Does it make sense to you when you see a guy holding out for his worth, even though I know back when you guys were playing, I don't even think that was an option? Well, um, I think that, you know, I have a hard time of discussing someone else's uh, position uh, in terms of his financial position. Sure. Um, my thought and when I was playing, all I was, in, all I was interested in was what I was – 
my contract was. I wasn't worried about anybody else's. Uh, unless we needed those guys to play and they were holding out. Um, today, I find it very, very hard for a guy not to be able to, even in today's world, to survive, to survive on $14 million a year. Now, if if that's not true, what I've read in the paper about what was uh, offered yeah. uh, Le'Veon Bell, well, I saw where they, they said they offered him 70 for five, and he refused it. Now, when I, when I go back and think about that, gee, man, what's wrong with you? You know? Uh, yeah, I know. Here he, now, I'm from the school of thought that he wasn't available for the Steelers because of injury. Okay, that's that's no fault of his. He played a game, you're going to get hurt. But he was also not available for substance abuse. And now that's a whole new picture. Yeah. Because I think that that takes away his ability to negotiate to be the the highest paid player because that plays into the equation. Sure, it has to because now you're talking about the character of the guy that you're giving all this money to. Now that's a that's a solid position for management. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's certainly something they got to take into account. I mean, there's absolutely. no doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I'd like to talk. I mean, about your dynasty a lot, the '70s dynasty, the Steelers. Um, one and of it's the best one, of the, ever. one of the best ever. You guys, the 49ers. But I would love to hear your view of this new modern day dynasty, the New England Patriots, and what kind of jumps out to you that makes them so special, like you guys back in the day. Um, what, what jumps out to me immediately, yeah, is the guy that's in the, in the catbird seat, the, the coach. Right. That's what jumps out, and uh, I haven't been any in any of his. Coach Belichick's meetings, but they have to be similar to uh, Coach Knowles' meetings because he has not, from my from my knowledge, and it hasn't gotten public. He doesn't tolerate the nonsense. No, I would say that. I mean, he's had. I can't think of this guy's name, the running back from Cincinnati that came to. Yeah, Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon. Right. He was proud of that. He he had the reputation of being a troublemaker. Right. Um, um, Josh Randy Moss. Yeah, Randy Moss. Randy Josh, Moss. Right. Supposed to be a trouble. I like Randy for some reason. <laughs> Me too. I did too. I played with him for a year. I, yeah. He's a football savant. Yeah, yeah. But he, he had no problem playing for for uh, um, Bill Belichick. Bill, Bill Belichick. And uh, there was another guy um, that played for Pittsburgh, couldn't play for Pittsburgh, Blunt. Oh, oh Garrett Blunt. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And he had uh, two good years there at uh, at New England. Yeah. So he's he's... He's had some of the guys that had problems elsewhere but didn't have the problems at New England. Right. And 
And I, I just think that that's why they're successful. That's why, well, and, you know, they got a quarterback that's, that's, that's very accurate. Right. Very accurate. And they come up with some good football schemes, some knowledgeable um, ways to attack defenses. I mean, it's always been the crossing route and right down the middle. Right. <laughs> the easiest – what was the easiest pass for you to throw, Chris? Right down the seams. That's, that's right. I mean, especially <laughs> if the guy is uh, 6'7", 270 and can run like Gronkowski. And can run and the yeah. other side of it, the, the safety, they got to think about where they're going to hit it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's, get, he's getting another three seconds or so to decide if he's going to catch that ball or not. <laughs> right. So, but I just think that they they are ahead of they are ahead of the game right yeah, now. They or, seem like it. Yeah, and that's that's why they have been. I don't know how many Super Bowls in the last eight ten years. Yeah, they're there. It's a lot. It's a, they're in the AFC Championship game every year. That's what we can count on for yeah, sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. So that you did, you don't luck up on that. That's right. You have to be doing something well and. At one time, uh, um, you know, the Steelers had it. Right. And and now uh, I have to truthfully say that it's New England. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of Hall of Famers on that New England team. Belichick will be, Brady, Gronk, all those guys. Again, Mean Joe Green with us because of the Hopetown Hall of Famers presented by the Ford Motor Company, October 26th, going to be at North Texas. There are two alumnus from that school that speak to my heart. One, Mean Joe Green. I mean, it was, it's one of the greatest nicknames I've ever heard. My dad would always <laughs> tell me about uh, the rivalry. The other one was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm just curious yes. if, if what is your experience with Stone Cold? Or do you, are you a fan of Stone Cold? Because I always wanted to slam two beers together and wrestle because of Stone Cold when I was growing up. I never met him. I've only seen him on TV. Man. Yep, I never met him. We need to make sure he's there for this event on October 26th. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. That's... That's a big plaque. Probably he's probably he could pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Chris so, always Chris always makes fun of wrestling fans because he thinks wrestling is fake. I'm just curious what Mean Joe well, thinks. Yeah, that's why Mean. That's why he hasn't no, met him yet. He's not watching wrestling. I do not want to get into a ring with anyone that can body slam me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not fair. Now you're a little up there in age, so that's not fair. <laughs> Back in the day, nobody would want to could body slam me. You'd yeah, be exactly. doing the body slamming. You're uh, right. I am, Chris. I am. Just three weeks ago, I turned seventy-two. Is that way to go, man? Way to go. <laughs> You're winning. That's all we can say. All yeah. right. Last thing before we let you go, because it's been a great honor talking to you. It really has. Who is your favorite defensive lineman in football to watch right now? Oh boy. You know, is it Sue? Is it Aaron Donald? Is it Fletcher Cox? J.J. Watt? Is it Khalil Mack? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but I figured I have to ask one all-time great about who jumps out to jumps out to you. Well, um, I'll say this. Uh, Fletcher Cox, as a, as a big guy, he's a big interior lineman. Right. He shows power and he shows quickness and – I don't see he, – he plays with a temperament that uh, 
that I think you have to have. I know you have to have. He's yeah. he's not taking any any gunk from anybody. Right. Wait a second. So Fletcher Cox does not have a nickname, and I am an Eagles fan. And there is something about that word mean that means a lot. Do you think Fletcher Cox plays to the level of earning a nickname like mean Fletcher Cox? Well, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, it does not. His last name is going to be very hard to play with in this one. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, but he's, uh, you know, I, I, I was on the, I went to the sideline just before the game last year. Yeah. And I had a chance to shake shake his hand and and wish him good luck just before the kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the other guy that I like is uh, he's a smaller guy, but he's an interior guy. I'm talking about interior guys now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Donald. Sure. Donald. Donald does some fantastic things inside with his his, uh, explosiveness and his quickness. Sudden change of direction. Yeah, and uh, you know he he can rush the passer from the inside and still not give up the gaping holes uh, to get it done. Right. Usually, when you rush in the passer all the time, you're going to give up some some running lanes. Yep. And he awesome. he doesn't do that. No, which he's is, special. Which is really special. Yep. No which question. Which is really special in there. The the outside guys is um, that guy from Denver, oh, Von, Von Miller. Miller. Oh yeah, he can get he can get off with the ball, and he can turn the corner and get a lean of about four inches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. It's, it's amazing how he it's can amazing. lean. Yeah, it's amazing. Mean Joe, you are the man, a Hall of Famer as a person and as a player. And again, October 26th, North Texas, getting the big-time plaque already as a statue. Compliments of the Ford Motor Company. Mean Joe, thank you so much for your time, dude. Really appreciate it. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank Thanks, you Mean very Joe. Much. Be good, man. All right, bye now. Bye-bye. Mean Joe mean Green. Mean Joe Green. Okay. Mean Joe just turned 72. Right. I'm almost positive no okay my grandmom's 82 but 72 and still able to go i like fletcher cox aaron donald's got good hand placement good jump off von miller can has a solid lean right the patriots are good because they do a lot of slants and down the seam passes why is mean joe at 72 more accurately watching the nfl than most analysts that i see on tv yeah i I mean he talks a little bit slower well okay yes but he's 72 no doubt and he's paying attention and he's got the eye for it it's a trained eye he's seen it and so mean fletcher cox not a nickname not a nickname that's hilarious i love how he was like i don't think it sounds right i don't think it sounds right but uh i also hey in this day and age where all we talk about is the negative with football, and it's so physical, and we got to protect the brains. There's a guy, 72 years old. His nickname was Mean Joe Green. He didn't get that because he was like, you know, playing two hand touch on the inside. Yeah. And there he is, functioning at a very high level, and still really aware of what's going on in all aspects of life. Hey, Nick, cue up that uh, outro music. We're gonna end the podcast right here. But oh. really, with with Mean Joe, I look at it and. Comparing Belichick to Chuck Knoll yeah. com- makes complete sense. Sure. Uh, Chuck was no nonsense. Anything you ever hear about it. It's, all right. So Mean yeah. Joe's getting the, the plaque at North Texas. Right. And I want that plaque at Texas for Chris Sims. 
I don't think it's coming there. Hall man. of Fame broadcaster, I Chris don't think Sims. So. I made, like, I'm on something there, but no plaques. Like, if we do this podcast for 40 more years together. Depends how many bad things I say at te- about true. Texas that's between true. now and then. $100 hand. <laughs> yeah. All right, four Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say, good evening. And the L-E-F-K-O-E Man. says, holla, 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 holla. We will be doing all of the games on the Friday morning podcast, breaking them down against the spread. Sims continues to make up ground. Uh-oh. Let's see that? if he can keep it going. You hear me coming? I'm coming to get your ass, Mean Joe Lefko. All right, Mean Joe Lefko. See you guys. <laughs>